Oh, hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Movie Boners, the show with the most boners. Uh, um, what beer are you drinking for this episode today? Okay. So I have been very excited about this episode because mm-hmm. I love me some of these kinds of movies, man. They're just so much fun to watch. Um, so I needed to find something ridiculous, something that people would probably be like, oh, dear God, why? And <laughs> I had a specific, like, I'm not going to lie, I kind of knew exactly what beer. This might be the first time, Jake, when we put this episode on the calendar that I was like, I know exactly <laughs> what beer I'm getting. Like, I know it. Okay. So I was pretty excited about it. I'm very on theme today. Um, so I'm drinking space cake from clown shoes <laughs> it's a double okay. ipa uh it's pretty fucking good dude it's really really yeah? good <laughs> okay good it is nine percent so i might feel this a <laughs> little bit quick tonight uh we shall see <laughs> i mean things are gonna get silly regardless because yes. all of a lot of these movies are pretty silly some of them are very serious but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, my beer, I feel like, is also pretty close to being on theme. Um, not, I don't have a t-shirt that matches my beer like you do. Um, killer Clowns from Outer Space. But <laughs> mine is from the Boneyard Beer Company in Bend, Oregon, and is called Incredible Pulp, as in pulp uh, writing and pulp fiction and That's all of that. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> movie <laughs> classic stuff so hell yeah and it's a uh, blood orange extra pale ale and it is pretty good also yeah 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 what what what's your uh apv abv like five six percent six point oh, okay. so jake jake's yeah. gonna be normal still <laughs> i will probably I will be, be the, the designated host of the show <laughs> while you do whatever you're doing it, it's gonna take me like 20 times to explain the plot of one of these movies <clears throat> old school oh, that shot. was a that was a below the belt shot because that <laughs> happened to me one time uh when we well, to be fair it wasn't beer it was several james bond martinis yeah. which happened to be extra strong because he's an extra man and i am not but yeah, I definitely <laughs> had to explain the plot of Casino Royale several times. <laughs> the audience didn't hear that pain as much as you did because I edited a lot of it out. Uh, but you unfortunately were in the room I and don't, it was I don't feel like that rough. was a lot of pain when that happened except from all the <laughs> laughter. Yeah. Because it was so hilarious how many times it took you to explain the plot to Casino Royale. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was it was a good time for sure. So <laughs> go back and watch the or listen to the James Bond yeah. episode as before Those video. Old school days. Yeah, deep cut. Wow. All right, but before we start, couple of things, housekeeping things. <sighs> Number one, we're doing an episode today about B movies, yes. which I feel like is extra appropriate, not just because we love B movies. And not just because the last two episodes were pretty serious yeah. and existential and depressing um, because they're all about Blade Runner in the in our dystopian present. But B-movies are a great time, yeah. and I have a huge fun time uh, talking about them. But it's a weird alignment of things in the universe where we are also 
spreading our wings and we are going to be um, doing more than just this show where we are going to be guests for the first time on another show and the other podcast that we're going to be on in two weeks from uh when this comes out is called the b critics which is very you know there's a lot of overlap with b movies and b critics and i like their style and i like i'm very excited about doing that and about it coming out so stay plugged in and we'll let you know when that's available and you can get a little extra bonus content of us uh, and check them out they're awesome uh two girls yeah super fun we're very excited to uh to have been invited on their show it should be a very interesting and i'm assuming it'll be a little funny at times kind of conversation so (laughs) i don't see how it cannot be funny (laughs) it'll definitely be funny yes uh uh And then well, we need, of course, to do the movie draft. Uh, and, well, you make that noise, but... I did get I one piece of good news today on the day of our recording. <laughs> I, it is with a heavy heart that I come to you today because... For two reasons, actually. That you have one piece of good news that I, I'm sure you know about, but I have another piece of news that I am in shock I've been in shock all week about, and I don't think you even have any idea that it's true. So the first one, which I think you know, is that Dune Part 2 has officially been moved to 2024. Yep, yep. Which is bittersweet for me, because I'm very excited for that movie. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, like, fuck you, Jake. You've been running (laughs) this show the whole year. It's about time you took a hit. Yep. Yep, it's a big hit. It's a big hit. I feel like it definitely opens things up for you towards the end of the year. Uh, that was going to be, I mean, I'm I'm devastated as a fan who wanted to see the next installment. Yeah, but I'm also a little bit upset that uh, I may be more in jeopardy than I thought I would be at this moment. <laughs> the second reason I feel like I'm in jeopardy is because I don't. I don't know if you planned this or knew this or if you're just a lucky son of a bitch, but you know that movie, uh, True Love, that you drafted that no, we have no idea what it's about and don't know when it's coming out and don't know anything about it? Sure. You drafted a movie called True Love, if you I recall. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it, one of the bottom to- barrel picks, wasn't it? Probably. It's supposed to come out in September. Uh, Well, I learned this week that the reason that neither of us have any idea what that movie is about and haven't heard anything about it is because they changed the name of it in April. And it actually has been being, it's been very popularly marketed under a different name. And it's actually one of the movies that I'm most excited about this year. Yes. So they renamed True Love to the creator oh shit really you you apparently drafted and apparently have on your team in september it's your 21st round draft pick you have gareth edwards the creator with a score from hans zinner and cinematography from greg frazier who did dune and batman and rogue one i can't believe you have this fucking movie on your team it like until they moved to Dune, I had three more movies I was hyped about for this year, right. and it was Dune, The Creator, 
and uh, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon movie. Right. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> fuck you for that. <laughs> that movie does have a lot of hype to it. I have been seeing shit for it, it looks, everywhere. Looks so cool. I'm so excited. <laughs> So, I totally yeah. knew all of that insight <laughs> and it was completely planned. So suck yeah. it. And so it's going up against Saw X and Paw Patrol on my team. So uh, we'll see if you can keep up with the Saw Patrol yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, movie weekend. Oh, dude, I totally forgot that I drafted the Nun 2. Ugh. Yeah, the Nun 2 back in the habit comes out in like two weeks, a week, whatever this is. Just call it back in the habit. Yeah, I made that joke in the original draft, but yeah, I did. Uh, it's, that's a Whoopi Goldberg. I probably uh, laughed just as distract. Too. <laughs> yeah, it's a sister act two joke. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, moving on into other draft news, Blue Beetle came out. It apparently is pretty good, better than people expended, expected, but. Everybody else also had rock bottom basement level expectations. <laughs> and no one's going to it, apparently. No. No, it's failing at the box office. I don't know how many box office failures this is for Warner Brothers in a row, but uh it's I honestly suffering. I honestly wonder when they will sell DC because they cannot make money Dude, off of this okay. property. So this has actually been a topic at my work. Uh because everyone's been asking me, like I I've had conversations about this with mm -hmm. a handful of people now um, about the future state of DC and movies. Was, yeah. I've laughed with everyone. Cause I'm like, Warner brothers is so fucked up right now. And you and I have yeah. been relentless. I, I had this realization where I was <laughs> like, I think Jake and I have been ripping into Warner brothers specifically <laughs> almost every episode for three uh, years just yeah it was mercilessly it was since the beginning because they had just pulled Zack snyder off of justice right. league and and uh so i was telling people about like yeah blue beetle apparently those that are seeing it are saying like hey it ain't bad like it's entertaining it's fun it's good but no mm -hmm. one's going and watching it and that means that when aquaman comes out in december like that one's gonna tank possibly worse than the flash yeah and i think it's gonna have a worse rating too which sucks because i know he, that movie is on my draft which i'm like yay yeah. it is a uh, wild card for you though true so that's, i can ditch it if i grace. want there's yeah. there's a chance i'm going to but um i haven't seen any promo for it and it's like three months away that, right i I think they're still trying to figure out what they're cutting, what they're not, what they need to reshoot. I who knows? Yeah. But at this point, I don't think people and what they can care. With the, yeah, with I, the, I honestly don't right. think anyone really cares anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. But did you see what Warner Brothers did as Blue Beetle is flopping? Almost like a blatant trying to save face right now. No. But okay, you're gonna laugh your ass off. So they just announced this week. That well, the week of recording, uh, they mm -hmm. are releasing the 4K, like complete trilogy, Zack Snyder's, like his complete trilogy, <laughs> on 4K remastered box set. Like it looks okay. nice. It's all prettied up. Warner Brothers, who has been very prominent in being like, we want yeah. nothing to do with the Snyder vision. Like fuck all that. Yeah. 
that the original Justice League is our Justice right, League. But here they Zack come Snyder's out. Is some indie <laughs> fan project. And here comes Warner Brothers as Blue Beetle is tanking. They're like, look at this beautifully packaged, all-encompassing <laughs> Snyderverse trilogy. Oh, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> just... I, they don't know what they're I doing. I think they need to give it up. I was asked what I felt the future was going to be and if I thought James Gunn's DCU was going to tank. And I was like, I think for it to be successful, mm-hmm. Superman Legacy, which will be the first official entry in the DCU reboot. Um, yeah. Because Blue Beetle is supposed to be the first character, but no one's saying if this movie is actually... <laughs> apart it's weird who who knows yeah they don't know. they don't know they're waiting to see how much people like it and what the reaction uh, right is and... but i was like superman legacy has to be like potentially the greatest comic book movie ever <laughs> and actually the greatest comic book movie not like how james gunn said the flash the <laughs> right right like movie. legitimately uh <laughs> yeah it has to be mind-blowing good like it has to be absolutely incredible yeah i to be determined right yeah it's way too early to say they haven't really started they've they haven't released anything that is officially down that road but they're trying to get things moving down that road and they're doing a very bad job of getting things moving so i'm like i'm kind of with you jake i'm like maybe it's time they uh they sell the property and let someone take the reins who mm-hmm. gives a crap. I don't know. I, right. <laughs> right. I think that's a good start is have people make things that actually likes the original thing <laughs> so, and cares about it. I am bummed that I have Aquaman, even if it is a wild card. I feel like <laughs> I just, how are they going to market it? They're like, look at Amber Heard as Mira and everyone's going to be like, <laughs> We hate Amber Heard. We hate Amber Heard. (laughs) Yeah. They'll be like, here's Aquaman, the movie that we mostly cut Amber Heard out of when we learned that you don't like her. (laughs) But then we put her all back in, and we took out the one guy that made everyone rejoice. Mm -hmm. We took him out, because we don't want that. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. They don't know what they're doing. (sighs) Yeah, Warner Brothers, I mean, on the topic of Warner Brothers sucking, um, They have Barbie going for them, which is nice. It is the highest grossing Warner Brothers movie ever, passing The Dark Knight, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And is like 100 million away from passing Super Mario Bros. as the highest grossing movie of the year. Uh, So that's pretty wild. It is wild. Uh, And then, (laughs) but (laughs) on another topic, the Meg 2 (laughs) passed the flash <laughs> yeah, in <dude>. the box office <laughs> the meg 2 of all things dude like the meg uh, 2 i feel i'm kind of bummed i i have not made it to the theater i probably won't see it in the theater yeah but i feel kind of like i should go see it in the theater one cuz it's obviously right in line with the ridiculous kind of shit that i enjoy but also yeah. just to be like in that theater with a bunch of people who are all on the same page of we're not here to see this amazing movie about a giant shark and other sea creatures. We're here to see Jason mm-hmm. Statham on a jet ski, like karate kicking a giant shark in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
it is like one of those at least the original meg meg 2 seems kind of lukewarm but the original meg is like one of those a a movie quality or a budget but b movie story yeah you know yeah what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it definitely fits i think this episode yeah the meg's kind of a weird case there's a lot of those that's why i'm excited to talk about b movies is because there's a lot of a movies that are way worse than the actual <laughs> B movies that we'll be talking about. So much. The the Flash being chief among them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing, uh, or last couple things, the S Strays came out. The R-rated comedy about talking dogs. Apparently, it's okay, not that great. We've been really struggling with good comedy movies yeah. the last like decade, which is very sad. Comedy is constantly just mediocre which is almost you kind of just have to expect mediocrity with comedy uh i think it's coming in right where i figured it would be if not a little higher uh mm -hmm. i totally want to see it because i feel sometimes we need that kind of will ferrell mm -hmm. maturity in film especially right now sure. uh he's a classic yeah i mean Shit, dude, I can watch Step Brothers and Anchorman constantly. So, and Holiday yeah. Nights, which happens to be a Chris Nolan favorite. What? <laughs> yeah, I saw that headline where Christopher Nolan was like, "Man, I love Holiday Nights," <laughs> and everybody collectively was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking about the same Holiday Nights? Is there some weird indie project called <laughs> right. Nights in Talladega? No, it's the real Holiday Nights." The real. He loves it. Thank you, baby Jesus. Shake and bake. It's if you ain't first, you're last. Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. Sorry, I didn't mean he has a really interesting. I feel like he's a cool guy. Like, I don't I feel like that's part of the reason I love Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Not to make this a Christopher Nolan podcast again, but he likes a lot of movies. Like I was reading a thing about like some of the movies that he likes the most, and it's things like speed and apparently Talladega Nights and like normal movies. He's not very pretentious at all where you think he would be because he makes cerebrally complicated and <laughs> incredible movies. Right. And he's British and all this stuff. You feel like he'd be way more, I don't know, posh, but he's very, he's a, just a guy that likes movies and he likes making movies, which I know, I know you and I already get like a lot of eye rolls for the Nolan love that we give, but honestly, the fact that he is such a big fan of some of just like those kinds of films mm -hmm. makes me respect the guy even more and become an even bigger yeah. fan of his. It's like, hell yeah. <laughs> no wonder I gravitate towards his films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very true. He's pretty cool. All right. That's our Nolan segment for the episode. <laughs> Well, Jake, did you watch anything besides Succession? <laughs> I finished Succession. Oh, that's right. I that's told right. You. you finished Succession. <laughs> uh, I did watch one new movie, and it's mostly because I didn't. Ha I wanted to watch more. I had things I was going to do before this episode, but then there are so many B movies out there. I had the hardest time coming up with my favorites of all time. Okay. That I watched a lot of B movies, and so I only I only got to watch one new thing. I did watch No Hard Feelings, which is the Jennifer Lawrence comedy oh, yeah, that came yeah. out recently. And uh, I I do completely agree with the premise of the movie, which is that property taxes are bullshit and <laughs> fucking cruel and basically evil. 
I don't know if that's the message you're supposed to take from the movie, but that's the one that I got, and I agree. But beyond that, it's it's a it's a fairly funny movie. It has some good laughs. I laughed uh, out loud a few times, and I enjoyed it in general. But again, it was pretty mediocre as far as comedies go. Which, exactly like you like, said, that's kind of what we we're expecting at this it's point. It's entertaining. It's sad. stupid. It's completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I was entertained. I laughed during it, and I walked out being like, yeah. "Okay, like it's a much sweeter movie. Like it has a little mm-hmm. more heart to it than I think I expected it to have with the whole subplot with her in the house." Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I heard I, with the kid, the chemistry with the kid was good, especially yeah. in the more vulnerable moments and the actual like friendship chemistry I thought was really, really strong. Yeah. One of the reasons that it worked so well, I, it was weird seeing her as this like woman who's trying to be super sexy and attract this 19 year old kid, because I don't think of Jennifer Lawrence as like a super sexy sex pop, <laughs> like woman, especially now that she is a mom. I'm like watching the movie and I'm like, you're a mom. Like you have a baby. at <laughs> home. Uh, but in general, I did enjoy it. I thought it was it was uh, decent enough. It, it's to me, it was one of those movies where if it happened to be on and I was like bored and just wanted something kind of mindless, I, I could get up and do stuff around, but still like not begrudgingly. Yeah. I could put it back on and be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is so dumb, but that's that part's fine. Yeah, it's an easy watch. <laughs> it's a sure. very easy watch. Um, what about you? I I wanted to watch. I made this plan because I didn't watch anything new on the last episode. I know. I had this whole plan where I was like, nothing but new movies. I'm going to overload Jake with all these new movies that I watched. That's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then my family came into town and then I had all these B movies to watch. And then I got behind on stuff. And then it was... <laughs> You watch three new movies, which is still pretty good, but out of so like 10 that I had hoped. <laughs> kind of if didn't. you watch 10, we'd be here all episode I know. talking about movies. <laughs> uh, but I did watch three, and one of them was a B movie that I had heard about for the past like year or two. That okay. I've always been like, I have to find this movie. I have to watch this movie because it sounds so yeah god awfully awesome <laughs> gotta watch this movie so i finally sat my ass down and was like you're watching this movie so i watched mm-hmm. velocipastor <laughs> okay <laughs> i i get the just just from the name it's a very descriptive name. oh dear god jake there's a pastor who is mm-hmm. handed a dinosaur tooth which looks like a t-rex tooth but it scratches him and he mm. it's like this ninja lady or this lady being infected. chased by ninjas hands it off to him while he's on a self-discovery walkabout in china um okay <laughs> she's being chased by ninjas she gives him the tooth and fucks off he gets scratched and it turns him into this mutant velociraptor that is basically the hulk because every time <laughs> he's like you made me angry he turns into the velociraptor Oh, okay. Uh, he fights ninjas as the Velociraptor at one point. Yeah, they're obviously trying to get whatever he got, the tooth or whatever. It is so 
amazing <laughs> and so so bad like okay. this was so bad but it i was laughing bad. the entire film because his mom and <laughs> bear with me folks this sounds fucked up but bear okay. with me his parents are killed in a car bomb at the very beginning of the movie but the way they do the car bomb is mm -hmm. he's walking out of the church and they cut to where his parents' car is, and his parents are waving at him. And then they cut to him, yeah. and then they cut back to the car, and you hear the explosion, right? When they cut back uh -huh. to the car after the explosion goes, all it is is the car is gone. It's just the street, and there's text on yeah. the screen that says VFX car explosion. <laughs> is it like one of those movies that's intentionally yes. bad? Oh, they knew okay. exactly what they were doing, and they you could tell they were having a fucking blast with it. And then a hooker yeah. convinces him to become a hero figure. It's okay. But dude, this is all making a little more sense because there's like people are I'm I'm in the middle as far as B movies go. I don't really mind if it's so bad it's good, or if it's low budget but it's actually good, or if it's intentionally bad. I, as long as it's enjoyable, I like. It. I think as long but there as there are people, there are people that are very staunchly. Yeah. If you're trying to make a B movie that's so bad it's good, then that doesn't count. Get Which I'm kind of like, the people that are intentionally making the B movie, like mm -hmm. people behind Sharknado or Velocipaster, and I'm mm -hmm. sure a lot of the movies on our list, when they're intentionally doing it, it is like ninety percent of the time out of a place of pain homage to those films of having fun with it, of being like, no, we love yeah. these movies. So we wanted to make one because they're just enjoyable, right. like lean sure. into the absurdity, play it off it. Like just own it. Absolutely own it. That's what makes mm -hmm. it work. Even when you force it. Now, sometimes yeah. people will force it. And that's, I think what creates the divide is <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's just kind of like uh this doesn't feel like you love horror or the b movies mm -hmm. like sci-fi b movies or anything like that it feels like you just are making fun of it yeah like out of and, and it's not one thing to place. it's one thing to like something and want to make it it's another thing to actually understand why yeah. people like it and what makes it tick and be able to reproduce it yeah that's a little bit harder it is. But yeah. So I, I find myself giving Velocipaster? a little. I, I give a little grace to some of the people that intentionally will make a B movie. Because. Yeah. What a weird line to try and tow. <laughs> like. Yeah. Comedy is hard to write, folks. It, it's not. Mm -hmm. it, there's nothing easy about it. It's but, the hardest. But the costume. When would, you huh? would you recommend a Velocipaster? Yes. It's if a fun nothing time. else, okay. for the costume when he turns into the Velociraptor, <laughs> hands down. Like when the okay. when he first transforms and they show him, I was like, "Yep, I'm on board." Like I was already <laughs> laughing at the VFX uh, title card, but the first yeah. time I saw the the dinosaur suit, I was like, "Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you." Like. I don't want to tell you. I just want you to see it because it's sure. so terribly done. <laughs> but good. And then good. Uh, on a not so silly note, I watched Talk to Me. 
because that had oh a, yeah that had a lot of hype that's the horror film out currently or just left theaters maybe that's been like super yeah, hyped up people are claiming this is like a great horror film uh, it's any, like the best horror movie that a24 has produced since hereditary is what yes um so anytime that genre is brought up with that slogan of this is the greatest one it's so scary especially when they show like audience reactions i am always going to be like challenge mm-hmm. accepted let's go watch this shit so i went and saw talk to me i really enjoyed it i hope they actually continue making more i want i kind of want like an insidious franchise style for it okay you there want was, like a whole universe is that yeah, interesting there was some really cool things that they they hint at and just kind of mm-hmm. like leave to your own thought of where that can mm. go and i think that it's a cool thing great acting i had no clue it was an australian film so it took me a little bit like they show an injured animal <laughs> on the side of a road and i i realized like wow you are that like you can tell you're an American <laughs> audience member because they show an injured kangaroo. And I was like, the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where's the deer? Where's that monster? <laughs> I was like, who has kangaroos on the side of the road? Oh, yeah, it's in Australia. Okay. That's somebody's Come on, pet. dumbass. <laughs> uh, but I really enjoyed talking to me. Funny. I thought it was interesting. It's not scary, but it's very interesting to me. And I, I want to see more of that kind of storyline. Um, and then the other one that cool. I went and saw was the last voyage of the Demeter or Demeter yeah. Demeter Demeter. They call it Demeter in the movie. Uh, okay. That was cool. That was really cool. Okay. I loved, I was the, excited for it. Yes. The design of Dracula is awesome. It made sense for the whole voyage of the ship. I thought, Mm-hmm. I thought it was just an interesting movie. It's very patient. I think I think it got a bad rep because people thought it was going to be like crazy gore or jump scares the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't rely on jump scare. It's just the mm-hmm. ship trying to figure out what the hell is happening on it. And it, I thought it was really cool. I thought if you're a fan of Bram Stoker's Dracula, like the book, um, or even like the Keanu Reeves movie mm-hmm. or the old school Bella Lugosi. Uh, it has stuff in it for everyone. Very entertaining. I kind of, I, I want to see him make like a Dracula film following it. I want that. Cause this Dracula, mm-hmm. I was like, this guy could be fucking cool. Really, really fucking cool yeah. to see wandering London and could be the origin of the, yeah, the yeah. origin story of the new universal Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be really cool. Universe. I was entertained by it. I know some people have been bitching about it, but as a fan of the old book by Bram Stoker, mm-hmm. Bella Gossi, the Keanu Reeves, uh, Gary Oldman movie, this was like, we haven't had a really cool Dracula movie for, I mean, mm-hmm. Renfield was hilarious. I will give Renfield <laughs> that credit. Nicholas Cage is a fantastic drag, but I wasn't trying to be a really cool Dracula movie, like a serious right. one. This one, he is monstrous, and I was very happy to see that. So, Last Voyage, I mean, I, okay. I don't think it's even in theaters anymore, but if it is, I recommend that one. And yeah, it got pretty poor reviews, unfortunately. Yeah, and which I, I think I think it didn't deserve. I thought it was overall way better. failed. It's weird. It's weird to have two different Dracula movies 
fail at the box office in the same year. Right, right. And they're totally different. Doesn't happen. Versions of that character. Yeah. Um, and I thought both versions were way better than what the reviews gave it. Although mm-hmm. Aquafina does kind of, I'm just not a fan of hers. She, she kind of like puts a, <laughs> yeah, all puts you a did say was Aquafina. But, anyways, that was all I watched. Um, sorry. Cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. So, let's get into the episode where we're talking about our top 10 B movies. Yeah. And we didn't talk about at all, you and I, what that means. We were yep. like, let's do a top 10 B movies movie episode like we always yep. do. And we're like, sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> and then I was, I was getting in, I was getting into it and I was like, what exactly is a B movie? Like it, what am I going to get called out for doing one that doesn't count or whatever? So I was like trying to figure it out. What did you do? How did you select your movies to like oh, define man. what a B movie is to you or in you reality? Know, this was challenging for me too, because I've, B movie to me uh-huh. seems to be that kind of phrase or that thing that you just know what it is, but you can't really, I can't personally you know when you see it, like define it. Yeah. I just know it immediately. And I am like, for mm-hmm. the most part, I will enjoy it because they're just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the kind of movie dude where the more they lean into absurdity with whether it's like science fiction or horror, because it's typically going to be one of those genres. Um, action mm-hmm. sometimes will get thrown in there. The more they lean into it, and the way that they play, like play off of the absurdity, or if it's super tongue in cheek, um, I love that, and I love taking it very deadpan and serious. I think that can be just absolutely amazing. I have one of those movies on my well. Mm-hmm. I made that kind of. They're all on my list, but. Um, very hard to define it to me because, and you and I have talked about this before where we're like, B movies aren't necessarily bad movies to us. Yeah. Like when we did the deep dive of the room, which is notorious, it's one of the most famous B movies of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you and I both said it several times on that episode of like, but it's enjoyable. It's a like, yeah. It's interesting. It's it can't watchable. be a it's it can't be a bad movie if it's this enjoyable to right. watch. And, and then I kind of question myself of like, man, your taste is just everywhere. Because like <laughs> I go from watching crazy serious, very deep films that are like depressing as hell or whatever, mm-hmm. to you know these kinds of movies, and I can do it back to back and just be like. My happiness will just stay the same, you know. It's mm-hmm. <coughs> so I the way I approached this list, I knew one very specific movie that was going to be on my list. Um, and I based the list kind of off of that one movie of all right, what other films okay, what's adjacent kind of yeah, what what fits to this one, what like connects to this one for me? What what other movies mm-hmm. make me think back to this one uh, when I watch okay. it? So, obviously, I'm not going to tell you which one that was until <laughs> we get into the list. Um, sure. I will put a disclaimer. I am sure 
people will hear a couple of my picks and be like, what the fuck? One of them's a cheat a hundred percent. Uh, okay. But fuck you. I love cheats. It's my list. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like it's been a while since I've done a cheat on a list. I know you, I think every yeah, top 10, you have too. at least one cheat. I like cheating. What can I say? It's the most <laughs> yes. fun part is to find the edge and then go past it. And but, but is it cheating when it's our show, our list? No, uh, I make the rules. Our rules, right. <laughs> do whatever I want. Uh, You're not the boss of me. So I, I do have one that will probably have to have an asterisk on it. Um, and then I'm sure a couple others people are going to be like, I hate that movie and I totally get it. Um, <laughs> okay. That just means I can enjoy it even more while you're suffering Mulholland Drive and other pieces of shit like that. So, <laughs> yeah, fuck that movie. I like that. That's a good answer. I was very curious because I didn't really know. I didn't know really how I was going to approach it either. And so I was like, when I realized I don't exactly know what a B movie is, although I do f agree with you. I feel like I know it when I see it kind yeah. of thing. And so I had ones that I knew I would have for sure. Um, but I was looking into the history of B movies and it's pretty interesting. And I think that's why it's hard to define now yeah. because we don't really have true B movies anymore in the sense that they're originally designed to be the second movie in a double feature mm -hmm. and movie theaters would, would have them as like an added value for your ticket that you would go to see the A movie, the original like real big budget movie that, was uh drawing the crowd but then to keep people around keep them buying popcorn and stuff they would have a, a second movie a the b movie it's like a b-side on a cassette tape or whatever kids if you ever know what a cassette tape is <laughs> i was about to be like jay or or to at least it is maybe it's better it would be I the b-side of like a vinyl which is also kind I of thought... a weird thing to say because vinyl went away yeah. And then it's made this huge <laughs> comeback over the last 10 years. So I avoided saying vinyl because I was like, that's even older than cassettes, <laughs> but it's, come but back, it's also so people not. know B sides now based on vinyl. <laughs> okay. It's very strange, but I'm with you on the, cassette if you think thing. of the A side of the vinyl had all the popular songs and then the B side of the vinyl had like the rest of the songs, <laughs> right? Uh, this is what B movies were. They were just a super low budget. And I think that's, generally the consensus that a low budget movie mm -hmm. that is made um, that they wanted to make hopefully a bunch of money on, but also the low risk so they don't lose a bunch of money on it. And that's one of the reasons I think I love B movies is because you can take risks that you can't take in like a, a big studio movie with all these investors and everybody concerned about, is it going to be good or not? There's so many people that are involved that, it needs to be mediocre at worst, um, but it's also as often mediocre at best. So I feel like B movies are so good because there's a lot of, even if they're not that well executed because there's not time and budget and all this other stuff, there's always a seed of an idea. And I love that idea of is something being so interesting or new or cool. Yeah. Um, um, or just trying to make something different that I really like that. I feel like they, they quickly went from just being that, that added value, low risk movie that got attached to, to mm -hmm. the big release. Right. 
I think it took zero time really for the people making those kinds of movies to just be like, we can do whatever we want. We can have fun <laughs> yeah. with this because, ha you know, two thirds of the audience probably is not sticking around for the second feature. So yeah, we can do or it. Or they're busy making out. Uh, or yeah. Something. So we can do whatever we want. And I think that's where like the fun of it started really kicking in of just absurd, sometimes gross, mm -hmm. actually oftentimes gross, um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's just fun. I like, I, I genuinely love these kinds of movies. Um, like the, the sci-fi channel for a long time was notorious for mm -hmm. their, the sci-fi movies, which was all the giant yeah. animal or crazy animal or sci-fi like creature, alien, features. creature features. Um, those yeah. are always terrible. But always <laughs> so hilarious and fun to watch. You find yourself just being sucked into it. Like, it's mm -hmm. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's how I found Mystery Science Theater 3000. Which where is... It was on the Sci-Fi Channel, like, on Saturday yeah. morning. And there are these guys watching these ridiculous B-movies and commenting over it. And it being really funny. And you know what? That that's like a that's actually kind of how... I'm with you. That's how I discovered what B movies were was watching mystery science theater. Um, and then actually watching the movies as I got older, like if I accidentally yeah. came across it and be like, Oh, I remember this and watching it. And <laughs> there was a good number of times where I was like, okay, I actually really like this movie. Like it's so bad, <laughs> I but I really like this movie. <laughs> They're definitely very watchable movies, which is the fun part. It, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was very weird for me to try and define it, dude. I just kind of, I know mm -hmm. it when I see it. And I feel like if I mention the title to one of them to people and they happen to know what it is, if I get that mm -hmm. eye roll of like, oh God, you like that? <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least you know what it is. It's yeah. It's like that, that confirmation of, yes, that's a B movie. I enjoy it. You don't. <laughs> And that's how this world should work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have a pretty long list of movies that I intentionally left off because we've talked about them quite a bit already on the show before. And they are the ones that are a little bit more commonly known. You're, you're trying to even pull a they me, were, huh? Interesting. Yeah, even, even though they were low budget to start with, they're ones that uh, have become popular mm -hmm. over time and, and, and ones that we like. So I... I, I'm not by any means a B-movie expert. There are so many B-movies that I've heard of that I really want to watch that I would love to get around to because yeah. I just like the genre, I guess, if you could call it that. Um, but most of my list is ones I wanted to highlight as as really enjoyable ones you should check out in in the genre. Mm -hmm. It's it's an absolutely absurd list. I was scrolling through it. I can't believe we get to talk about all these movies I, at once. <laughs> It's a solid mix of absolutely like ridiculously bad movies and then also classics that are legitimately good <laughs> or underappreciated. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll try to remember to tell you which is which because I, it's hard to tell sometimes. I was just like, I think the majority of my list are ones that I never thought I would ever get to actually like talk about with people and describe to people. <laughs> Cause I've just yeah. always had to watch it by myself and no one ever really wants to hear about it, but I hope you guys do. Cause they're fun. If you can find some of them, 
I've got, I know I have one that is actually probably going to be a difficult one to find, but it's, it's fun. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I have one in the public domain, so it should be easy to find and you can find it for free. All right. You're probably right, Jake. I probably made some stupid (laughs) comment because I'm not good with technology these days and I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure there are hard ones to find because there are, that's the whole point of a B movie is that they're not well distributed, not well promoted, not well made. So, yeah, they're hard to find, but there are fun times. There are. Let's do this. All right. You want to get into it? Yeah. Um, all right. So my number um, 10. Sure, uh, sure. I'm kicking it right off with the, the asterisks. The, this is my cheat. I f- I'm fully aware it's a okay. cheat because it is one of those movies, Jake, where it had a huge budget. It had the A movie budget. It was created mm. by a huge, very popular director who actually has kind of based his whole career off of modernized B movies. Um, And this was his giant homage. Like this is his love letter to those movies. And he actually did it as a team up. Um, But his, his movie is my Mm. personal favorite. Uh, So my number 10 is planet terror by Robert Rodriguez. It was part of the grindhouse uh, dual dual picture, which I guess technically is like the true, that's what the B movies were, what you were alluding to. I didn't want to comment while you said it, but that was like the grindhouse <laughs> features were this kind of, they just mm-hmm. emphasized and owned the the B movie mentality. But Planet Terror, dude, first off, that grindhouse <laughs> experience, I, was a, I saw it when they released it as the dual feature. I was in mm-hmm. that theater for the full like, what, five hour mo- or four and a half hour movie between that Mm -hmm. and uh, Death Proof and all the crazy trailers. Planet Terror is just so much fun because it's so Mm -hmm. bad, but in the best (laughs) way. And I'm going to say that so many times tonight, folks. You're over it. Uh, (laughs) But there's not one moment in Planet Terror that does not crack me up or entertain me. It is solid. Mm -hmm. The entire two hour that that movie plays out. And my favorite part, besides the like practical gross effects that they use for the the creature stuff and like the the gore, which is hilarious, mm-hmm. but my favorite part of the whole movie is the gun leg, like yeah. the shot of Rose McGowan using the grenade launcher on on the gun to <laughs> blow herself over a wall, and then just blow the shit at it, like go all you know. John Wick, wrong reference, but she just <laughs> shoots the hell out of all these bad guys and then does that crazy yeah. spin on the on the cement and blows the smoke off of the barrel, like which is at mm-hmm. the end of her leg. None yeah. of it makes sense. There is you can't even <laughs> there, there's no universe ever that this would work except the planet terror universe. And it's perfect. I love this movie so much. It's so gross. It's so much fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's perfect to me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I can't believe I kind of ignored it because I had my budget blinders on and yeah. didn't even think about it, but it is an incredible movie. It- and the whole grindhouse double feature is great. I, I, 
initially didn't love death proof but mostly because i loved planet terror so much and and i wanted more of it and then death proof was very different I, it is better after a second viewing but planet terror is so the style is perfect the like the burn into the film grain oh, yeah. and everything is just perfect it's just this it's so specific and the so light. much fun botched editing that's done in it it's just everything is just so well executed um and the greenhouse feature was a blast i do feel that like i recently rewatched because i have the full greenhouse uh blu-ray mm -hmm. so i rewatched the whole thing and watching them back to back is definitely way more fun than watching them separate mm -hmm. but i still say dude like I think Planet Terror was almost too strong. I think Quentin Tarantino <laughs> relied too heavy on his name alone with Kurt Russell selling Death Proof to be like, this is the main feature. Mm -hmm. I do Planet Terror blows Death Proof out of the fucking water. Like, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I completely agree. And I, in my mind, I've said this out loud before that I feel like it would have been better if Death Proof was first and yeah. Planet Terror was second because it would like lead into it and build up to it. Mm -hmm. But then after we're doing a B movie episode, and in my now in that context, I'm thinking Death Proof is the B movie. It's the it lower is. movie that nobody really is probably going to stay around to see. <laughs> it's just a bonus that is doing its own thing. It kind of works, I guess, in that context a little more if you think about it. It, it does in that context, um, but yeah, Planet Terror, dude. I I remember when it ended, and like the whole feature ended. I remember I was married at the time, leaving the theater, and just being like, Planet Terror might be one of the most fun, greatest like zombie esque <laughs> films ever. It's so gross, mm -hmm. and that's what makes it so good. So that's my number ten. That's a great one. It's so fun. I completely agree. Uh, mine is, uh, it's not the same, but there's a similar amount of terror across the planet uh, in my number 10 pick because there is a somewhat living substance that starts coming alive. Not substance, that sounds weird. But there's things that come to life and start to terrorize people um, and so my number 10 pick is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! From 1978. It's also kind of, I felt, a cheat because it it's a spoof of B-movies, but also is a B-movie itself at the same time. I have several of those on my list, so don't take that as okay. a cheat. That's a thing. <laughs> The whole, the, I mean, the opening of the movie says that when Alfred Hitchcock filmed The Birds, <laughs> it was released and audiences laughed that it was such a silly idea, but then there was a bird attack and nobody was laughing after that. <laughs> right. And then, then these garden variety tomatoes <laughs> start rising up and coming to life and attacking and killing people. And the best part is that it's, most of it is shot completely straight. Like there's a normal sized tomato 
rolling around a sink or rolling down the sidewalk or whatever. And they're rolling growling. towards people and <laughs> yeah. And these tomatoes are rolling towards people and they're like shooting them with shotguns because they're attacking this tomato menace is attacking them. It's 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 funny. It's definitely a funny movie. It's in like a kind of in the Mel Brooks style of comedy, yeah. especially with like the credits and stuff. There's little gags that come up or running jokes throughout the movie um, that keep coming up. So it, it's definitely if you like that kind of thing, it's a really fun time. And then and then the scientists are trying to figure out how these tomatoes came to life and and the government's trying to cover it up that there's this whole tomato uprising <laughs> right. and outbreak and stuff. Um, these mutant killer tomatoes. So it, it's a fun horror movie. I think it's a good intro to the B movie genre. If you're not terribly familiar, it's a gentle introduction yeah. to it. Oh, I'm so happy you brought it. It's, it <laughs> was almost on my list. Um, but I edged it for my cheat with Planet Terror because I felt like Planet Terror okay. deserved the spot, even being just a kind of a cheat pick. But because it's mm -hmm. such a perfectly executed homage, but Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, it's an honorable mention of mine. It is so freaking enjoyable. <laughs> I I love that movie. And if you want to see fun tidbit, if you want to see a crazy, crazy young George Clooney, then you have to watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes part two and Clooney is okay. in that movie. Um, I was going to say, I was like, I had no idea he's even in this movie. No, not but, in the yeah. first one. He's in yeah, the sequel. He's in the sequel. There's like four movies and I've only ever seen the first one. Yeah. I've only seen the first two. I, I never bothered with the rest, but oh my God. <laughs> it's so, oh, it's so That's good. a spot on impression. I know, dude. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great pick, Jake. I'm so happy you brought that one up. <sighs> All right. My number nine is the one that, man, I never heard of anyone else that has heard of this film, let alone at least seen the cover. Nothing. No one knows this okay. movie exists. Uh, shockingly, it has Jeffrey Dean Morgan in it during his supernatural okay. days when that was still airing, like fresh airing, not streaming. Um, yeah, and it has David Carradine in it as well before he passed away. Um, RIP, yeah. But my number nine is crazy low budget, it's from like 2004. It's called Dead and Breakfast instead of Bed and Breakfast, it's Dead and Breakfast. Oh, I see, yeah. Uh, this is also kind of like your uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, where it's like a spoof on B movies and zombie films in general. It's about these mm -hmm. uh, four young people, they're not teenagers, they're just young adults who goes to this tiny town late at night. They need a room to stay. They find this bed and breakfast that gives them a room and uh, an evil spirit is released in this tiny, tiny uh, redneck town and it turns people into zombies, but not actual zombies. <laughs> Because there's a whole, like, there may or may not be a song and dance number from the zombie <laughs> at one point in the movie. Um, okay, so not totally undead. Not totally undead. <laughs> but it's so stupid. 
and it, it has some of the worst gags, but they do it all on purpose. And you can tell that everyone was just having fun. They knew exactly what they were doing. It's super low budget. I mean, it looks like it was filmed mm-hmm. with like a high school uh video camera that they rented out of their out of their <laughs> class uh, and then didn't edit correctly at all uh the lighting mm-hmm. is horrible the acting is so over the top but it's perfectly over the top the the song and dance number that may or may not be in it is actually really catchy and super fun and my only complaint <laughs> is that it's too short because i could have used a full version okay. of that potentially if it's in the movie uh <laughs> sure sure but it's just it's just so fun and so dumb and that's why i love it and seeing jeffrey dean morgan he plays the sheriff of this tiny redneck town seeing Mm -hmm. him in this movie and just knowing jeffrey dean morgan is like such a highly regarded (laughs) actor and then you know david carradine shows up and you're like these are kind of big deals (laughs) in this like not big deal movie at all (laughs) but it's gory it's bloody it's so stupid in the best ways it's i love it i love this movie i accidentally came across it long time ago and i've just been obsessed with it ever since it's it's a wonderful wonderful film (laughs) (laughs) i was looking it up as you were talking about it and the tagline is it's like a bad horror movie only Only worse So you can tell that they knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing and they were having fun with it. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Uh, My number nine pick also may not be known by anybody because I think it was possibly direct to video. I don't know. I found it after it came out in 1997. Um, But it, I think pairs nicely with your description of the loss of pastor because it also has the most weird looking dinosaurs I've ever seen on film before. (laughs) Um, It's called future war from 1997. And it's, it has the best description of a movie of all time. So there's a kickboxer, who comes to earth so he's human but he's from another planet and he's on the run from a cyborg who is chasing him and so he escapes to earth and the cyborg tries to track him down but or he tries to track him down with dinosaurs scavenged from the past so these cyborgs future people are able to to travel through time they've gone to the past gotten dinosaurs, trained them to hunt people and track them like dogs, and then now are hunting this guy. And uh, along the way, he finds this uh, woman, or is saved by this woman, who's a nun, but she used to be a prostitute, and uh, and she's friends with a gang of, a Hispanic gang, and so they all t- try to take down the cyborgs and the dinosaur servants so it's just ridiculous on all levels the main character um is like a jean-claude van damme knockoff guy he's very (laughs) obviously does the kicks does the splits very much trying to do that um and uh yeah but the dinosaurs when they enter frame they look like children's toys kind of in forced perspective almost um 
a lot of the time, and that's pretty darn fun. I do know that there is a Mystery Science Theater episode about this movie, okay, um, which you could watch, <laughs> but uh, it's also enjoyable on its own if you're into getting the raw experience because um, it's yes. a wild time. I'm watching the trailer always, right they, now, by the way. <laughs> the trailer is fantastic. The whole movie is fantastic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it definitely falls into the so bad is good category. So I felt like it had to be on this list. Oh my God. It's got a 1.7 <laughs> on IMDb. That trailer looks fantastic. <laughs> and you weren't kidding about those dinosaurs, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. That makes me so happy. <laughs> All right. So my number eight, uh, it's kind of a technically it's it's not foreign language film, but it's not an American film. Um, okay. And it's one it actually came out when a long time ago, Jake, when you and I were we lads at Sam's Club. Oh, am I allowed to say that out loud? Yeah, I can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> calling out those days. <laughs> um, yeah, this came out and a coworker of ours uh, told me about it. And it was one of those like straight to DVD releases. Um, it was like, I forget, it's called Extreme or something like that. One of those straight to DVD Walmart kind of mm -hmm. horror film releases. Okay. And like he was telling me about it and he was like, you're going to love this movie. It's so funny. It's like shockingly super gory, um, but it's so dumb. Okay. You'll love it. And I was like, all right. So it's called Black Sheep, not the Chris Farley. And, I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. You're talking about the New Zealand version. Yes. This comes to us from New Zealand. <laughs> this, this movie is so good. <laughs> it is about a uh, this young ex-farmer who has a fear of sheep uh, from his childhood. Uh, he mm -hmm. comes back to the family farm to sell his share of it back to his older brother, who is a, a greedy sheep farmer who is genetically altering sheep for some reason. It's more profit. Mm -hmm. um, and then all hell breaks loose at the farm <laughs> because there are were sheep, not werewolves, were sheep. And they yeah. are glorious. <laughs> <laughs> and the sheep terrorize this farmland that's like out in the middle of New Zealand. It's far away from civilization, but people keep coming to it because, uh, <laughs> you know, you need plot. Um, it's uh -huh. so fun. I that coworker was he he nailed it head on i love this movie i watch it regularly it's just such a blast i love a big thing with b movies especially like this i think what really sells them perfectly are the over the top practical effects yeah i was going to say it, the same thing i'm watching the trailer to refresh it, my yes. mind cuz it's been a long time and not having like a CGI werewolf sheep is the best part. That is, it, they're shooting real live sheep and then also a practical like prop sheep or, at right. the same time. It's busting through the door and biting people's legs and <laughs> shit. 
<laughs> yeah, it's so good. I love this movie. No one's like ever heard of it. I'm so happy you have. I just mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous. Like the absurdity to this movie is unreal and it's perfect. I, I think more people need to watch this movie just because you have no clue what you're in stake for. <laughs> Yeah, I completely forgot it exists. Otherwise, it would absolutely be on my list. Uh, it's one of those movies that I think, yeah, I found out about the same time, like <laughs> in 2006 when it came out. And I was like, that sounds insane. I have to watch this immediately. <laughs> right. And then and you it's do. The most fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell yeah, that it I does have an audience. I mean, it's funny to say that this is actually kind of a high rating for these styles of movies, but it's true. It is. It has a 5.8 on IMDb and that's like for these kinds of movies, that's killing it. Yeah. That's doing really well. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> saying that's actually really good. Yes. So shout out to you, fellow black sheep fans. <laughs> shout out to you. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, okay. My number eight is, a little bit more getting a little bit more serious as far as the the B movie genre goes. Still crazy, still gross. This is one of the grosser um, styled effect movies if you're into gross out stuff. Uh, but it's based on an HP Lovecraft short story. And it's from 1986 called From Beyond. Okay. And it's a it's a uh, from the creators of Reanimator, and it's basically a it's a really interesting idea about these scientists that have created this um, device called the Resonator, which they turned on and it lets them experience beings in another dimension, but they're like around us all the time. We mm-hmm. just can't see them and interact them with them because we just don't have like the physical faculties to do that. Um, And so it's a really interesting idea of beings that are in another dimension that are around us all the time, but they're not ghosts or any like normal spirit that you would expect. They're like these mm, creatures or monsters or something. And, and so the, this device like simulates a gland in your body so that you can like start to actually experience this, other world around you like it's a third eye or something and uh and the scientist that like discovered it he like kind of got sucked into that world and is like now starting to terrorize these other scientists and so it has really cool really gross uh effects it reminds me a lot of like peter jackson's early stuff with uh brain dead or or uh, that one bad taste um where there's a lot of like gross out uh, effects that are actually pretty cool. Yeah. So the concept's cool. The effects are cool. Characters, the characters and their choices are dumb, but that's kind of what you want in a horror movie like this. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of it as well for just that per- perceived reality and there being another layer that you're not I'm not used to seeing. I think it's an interesting movie for sure. Hell yeah. I... I've never watched it, but I've seen that cover several times, especially mm-hmm. in the days when I worked at the the video rental stores. Uh, I just never got around to watching that, but <clears throat> watching the trailer while you were describing it was like, 
those effects look killer, dude. Those creatures yeah. looked awesome. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a recommend for sure. Hell yeah. I haven't even seen it, but I know that's a great pick, dude. Oh. <laughs> All right. So my number seven uh, is one that I was like, it'll either be pretty high on Jake's list or he's going to leave it off because we have talked extensively about it. And he trusts that I mm -hmm. will still bring it up because I'm going to. Um, it should come as zero surprise that the room <laughs> shows itself on my list at number seven. I didn't know if you would or not. Okay. Well, I am because <laughs> over time, and I won't go into too much of it because we have a whole fucking episode about it. Uh, yeah. But... The more I watch this movie, and it really dawned on me when we did that episode, Jake, like prepping for it, <laughs> just how much I genuinely just love that movie and, and am entertained mm -hmm. by it. And just it's so enjoyable because of just how absurd it is. And it makes mm -hmm. no sense, but it's so fun to watch. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I could not have it on this. Like it had to show up. It was just a matter of like, where are you going to be? Because you are a movie that regardless of everything else, you will be on this list. The spot is pretty open except for like the top mm -hmm. four. Uh, but it was, everything mm -hmm. else was pretty open. Uh, I love this movie. Like genuinely it just, it makes me happy every time I watch it. It's just so enjoyable. I just, I can't get enough Tommy. I got to have more Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very, very special individual. And I totally know what you mean. I mean, we, for that episode of the podcast, we rewatched it more times than we had to watch Tenet for that episode. A hundred times, yeah. For it, to act, for it to actually make sense. And uh, I don't know if that still does, but <laughs> it's such a great, fun movie. It, One of the best. It really is. So I just, I was like, it has to show up. And <laughs> I, I did, I did figure that you would like, I bet Dustin's will have it. Um, Cause I didn't know which way you were going to go with it. So it, it's my mm -hmm. number seven. It's it over time. It might even go a little bit higher. Cause I just, I enjoy that movie so <laughs> much. It's just, it's I know, I know. I'm very curious to see what movies you like more than the room <laughs> at this point. Cause it's only number seven. It's true. It's true. All right. My number seven is a little bit more of a classic, a little bit more of a, of a, I don't know, maybe the golden age of B movies, okay. I think you could say. So it's from 1959 and it's the original house on haunted Hill Yeah, with uh, Vincent price. And uh, it's, it's just one of those movies that uh, I think was kind of made to be a B movie, definitely a B movie, but also, blew up in in excitement people actually saw it and they're like wow this movie is great i can't yeah. believe that it was you know a b movie low budget all that stuff it's actually uh I, one of the movies that inspired alfred hitchcock he saw it and he's like this movie is great and he wanted to make his own low budget horror movie and he ended up making psycho after that so i think it gets credit for inspiring him in, in that regard but also just as a movie on its own, it's got everything you want in a 50s horror movie with the classic screams that, that they basically select actresses for their screams and how good they are. 
and uh and the all the gags and the if you've seen like the 1999 remake um which is not as good but yeah, also like has the one. same general concept yeah uh, the same general concept of a guy who's inviting people to his house or a house that is certainly haunted that everybody knows very well is haunted and tells them if they can survive the night there he'll give them ten thousand dollars this is 1959 where that's a lot of money that's a lot of money it's like a million dollars or something i don't know how inflation works but it's something like that and uh and so he, he but he's like also kind of may or may not know who these people are and why they need the money so much and kind of manipulating the whole thing um there's a lot of really cool and fun gags and scares and effects um <laughs> and also choices there's a weird part where he uh, when they like all get locked into the building he like brings out these coffins and hands them to everybody uh these like i don't know there's like five or six people there and uh he's like opens it up and everybody gets their own gun he hands everybody a, like a pistol and uh and it just does a great job of elevating the tension of like, yeah, obviously somebody's going to shoot somebody. They even <laughs> right. say in the movie, like these don't do very much or anything against ghosts. I don't know why you're giving them to us <laughs> right. yet. Everybody still takes a gun and starts walking hey, around man, the house. It was the 1950s. Uh, it's just different times, man. Different times. <laughs> different times for sure. Yeah. I, I love that original house on Hunter Hill. As you should. The Vincent Price era, uh, for you youngins, Vincent Price was kind of the face of like B movie mm -hmm. horror or the horror gen genre as a whole throughout the fifties and a little bit into the sixties and stuff. Huge name in it. Um, he just, he, I think he deserves more credit than he's remembered for these days. A lot of people have kind of forgotten about his films, but, uh, yeah, his whole, he did like a whole bunch of, uh, short films or i guess they weren't like short films back then but films based on edgar Allan poe uh mm -hmm. stories and stuff and those are really interesting they're cool they're weird as they should mm -hmm. be uh, if you come across them I highly recommend all those and yeah that original house like that's a great movie that's great classic mm -hmm. uh horror uh, i never liked the remake i just what, mm -hmm. what year is that remake done? Like 2001 or something like that, right? 1999, I think. 99? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 99, 2000. Yeah. And that was like, at that time when the remake came out, that was when wannabe rap stars were trying to get themselves into films <laughs> um, and playing like super stereotypical thugs. And it just mm -hmm. it detracts from the movies usually. I think the only guy that got away with doing it would be like Buster Rhymes and Shaft or Buster <laughs> Rhymes and H2O. I think it's H2O. Yeah. Halloween um, H2O, yeah. Yeah. But I, I remember a lot of the horror movies that were coming out at that time, like they were all essentially the exact same thing and it was just like, okay. But you go mm -hmm. back to those classics. Those were real gags and real like mm -hmm. practical jump scares back then. I love mm -hmm. that stuff. Love it. Yeah, it holds up. All right. So what number six? Uh, yeah. My number six uh, is not horror. 
It's an okay. action movie. It's kind of, it's nice. actually not that old. Uh, what was it? 2007 or eight, I think. Um, this is one of those movies I alluded to earlier when we were talking about just the general idea of a B movie. Uh, where the whole cast plays their characters, plays the whole situation, just deadpan. They, this is the world that this movie takes place in, or this story takes place in. This is just the ridiculousness of it is fact. Like mm -hmm. the physics in this movie make no sense, but no <laughs> one reacts to it in this film because that's the world they live in. It's perfect. Um, and I feel like this one has been forgotten and kind of lost traction or whatever, thanks to movies like Crank, which mm -hmm. tried to do the same stuff. Or, I mean, Crank was entertaining, but it never stuck with me. It was just kind of like, okay, this is yeah. just over the top. Forgettable. To... Yeah. But it was super popular when it came out. And this movie, I feel, got kind of left in the dust, whereas it should have in my opinion, been the opposite way. But my number six is a movie called Shoot 'em Up. It's with Clive Owen and Paul oh, Giamatti. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a great movie. I forgot about Shoot 'em Up, but that's a fun movie. Dude, Shoot 'em Up. You got tons of gunfights. You have Clive Owen protecting a, a baby at one point, <laughs> having to shoot a merry go round. Like, the handlebars on a merry-go-round to protect the baby as it's spinning. Mm -hmm. uh, that scene is actually probably my favorite scene in the movie, or at least one of them. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's so awesome. He eats carrots the whole movie, so you know he has great eyesight. And Paul Giamatti <laughs> is such an amazing villain. He's like this assassin guy who's constantly on the phone with his wife in a whole nother state who's making sure he's going to show up on time for their kid's birthday. The movie is absurd. Oh, and I forgot the, the cherry on top is, uh, I always butcher her last name. It's, uh, <laughs> Monica Bellucci or something like that. Uh, yeah. Bella Lucci. Um, Bellucci. Yeah. She plays a, a prostitute with a very unique, uh, skill where she's constantly lactating. <laughs> and she doesn't sleep with anyone. They just come and drink milk from her. And so Clive Owen kind of forces her to like help him keep this baby alive because she can feed the baby. Yeah, it's a practical solution to it. It's a practical problem. solution, right? It's this movie <laughs> is just so stupid in the uh -huh. best ways. Every the deadpan performance that Clive Owen gives in it sells the whole movie it makes you just like believe in it you, yeah you accept it it's so much fun uh he and plays yeah, it a thousand percent straight which is why it works so well why it works so well it's got so many horrible one-liners that are if it was any movie taking itself serious you would cringe at but mm. they work so well just because of the the world the movie takes place in i fucking love shoot them up and i wish more people would watch it and just enjoy it for what it is because it's mm -hmm. it's so so much fun <laughs> i remember when that movie came out and i rented it and then with like friends and we're like this is movie rules it's like the best movie ever <laughs> it's so good i was just scrolling 
I was just scrolling through IMDb and uh, the writer and director of it is the same guy. He hasn't written or directed much else, but he was the storyboard artist on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, Encino Man, and Tremors. Hell yeah. No wonder I love this. <laughs> the dude knew what he's he a, was doing, okay? He's a genius. Yeah. That's a fantastic pick. I am going to watch that a movie again immediately because that's a it's, fun time. It's so good. <laughs> All right. All right. My number You're six. You're up, my good sir. Um, I feel like my number six is the reason that I did not have the room on my list primarily because I felt like this one is at the same level. My number six pick and the room I feel like are synonymous for that category of so oh, bad, possibly the worst ever movies that are also good and enjoyable and crazy and ridiculous. So my number six is Birdemic Shock yes. and Terror from 2010. <laughs> if you've never Best seen CGI Birdemic, ever. <laughs> if you've never heard of Birdemic, you need to watch the trailer immediately because as soon as you see the footage of this film, not just the CGI, because that is obviously a selling point when you oh, see those birds God, attacking awesome. the world and there's a, a pandemic of birds attacking Earth or San Francisco or whatever. Um, that's a big part of it. But the my favorite part is when you just start the movie and they can't do the most basic things right. <laughs> like, it's on the same level as The Room for me because every decision that they make in the movie-making process is the wrong decision to make. <laughs> every decision. <laughs> they can't hold the camera still. They can't pan smoothly. They can't do anything that you should be able to do when you make a movie. They're cutting constantly between people talking. It's just the most ridiculous thing. And then you add on the fact that there's a pandemic of birds, birds attacking people. And it looks like somebody clipped out a gif of a bird and then like used tape and pasted it on the screen. Yeah. Like it looks that bad. Like you could make, you could do it in five minutes and you may have never touched, uh, you know, editing software in your life. So what it's you're saying one of those is movies. It, it looks like if I were to like tell myself, I'm going to do <laughs> yeah. the animation. <laughs> it's one of those movies that, you know, I, there's not very many movies that I watch and I feel like I could actually do a better job. This is one of those movies. I'm like, you know, I definitely could probably do a better job. And it's kind of weirdly satisfying to, to see that and to think that while you're watching it. But it's also so ridiculous. My only complaint is that the birds and the birdemic does not happen until like halfway through the movie. Yeah. And the first half does kind of start to drag because it's just all about this guy and how he's met this girl and she's a model and she's got a gig with Victoria's Secret and he's they're extremely specific on what his job is and what his goals are and <laughs> yeah. and how he's succeeding in life uh, and I guess it's to set up the fact that he's 
important when he goes into the birdemic, but I could use a birdemic like from the jump, like from Jump Street, the beginning of the movie. That's where I would like the most. Uh, only reason it's not higher on the list, but otherwise, classic movie. You should definitely check out. Very classic. The birds are just so. Oh my god. <laughs> Every like I'm. I'm excited to post clips of all of these movies on Instagram <laughs> because yes. they're all ridiculous. Like, it's so hard to describe just how bad the birds look, especially when they're interacting with the world around. It's, it, it's it like a two-hour movie impossible. of stock footage that they just... It's Im <laughs> No. It's impossible to make them look worse is the <laughs> real answer. Like, if it was actual stock footage of a bird swooping down and like, well, no, they like cut it, they edited it well. This is like they cut out a bird flapping its wings, put it in the sky, yeah. but it never actually moves. It just stands there. It and just goes does like this. this. No, I meant like the world <laughs> the birds interact with is the stock footage. Like, oh, you yeah, have yeah. the neighborhood, you have the traffic, you have the cars, and it, it's like someone with their, their phone back in 2010 filmed yeah. this, and then yeah, like you said, they were like, we'll do cut and paste on mm -hmm. uh, Windows Paint, and we'll mm -hmm. animate the wings at works. <laughs> it's like cut print. just when you thought Jaws 3D, the scene where the shark is swimming towards the underwater uh, tank, when it's mm -hmm. not 3D and it's just that, like, it looks like they cut out a piece of cardboard, cardboard shape of a shark yeah. that's moving towards the, the camera. Just when you thought you can't get worse animation than that, Birdemic mm -hmm. was like, I have an idea. Let's turn it into the whole second <laughs> half of a movie. <laughs> oh, Birdemic. Oh, my God. It's God, so bad. What a movie. That's, that's one of those where the whole time, like, when the birds show up, you're just like, is this happening? Am I actually still watching this and enjoying yeah. it? <laughs> just me? Okay. okay. Uh -huh. Just us, I yeah, mean. What is wrong with me that I enjoy this? All right. Yep. All right. My number five. Man. If it wasn't like this one, I wanted higher, but it, it, it barely got edged out. Because I have been obsessed with this movie since I saw it like five years ago. Not even. Okay. Year. I forget what year it came out. Jake, you've heard me talk about this movie several times. I promise you. Because after I watched it mm -hmm. the first time, I could not shut up about how amazing <laughs> it is. And to this day, I still tell people. And I get the heaviest eye roll from people when I tell them about it. <laughs> And I'm like, you just don't get it. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's so good. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this movie. It's just so, so great. And it's great because of the animatronics in it and the sound effects. It, oh, God. Mm. But my number five is the absolutely amazing Zombievers. I <laughs> fucking love this movie so much. <laughs> I know you do. I recall you talking <laughs> oh, forever about it. 
the animatronics in this movie is what sells it. Because, like, the beginning is a little slow. It's these three girls that go to this uh, house on this lake to get away, mm-hmm. have a girls' weekend. No boys allowed. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the boys are going to show up because they're college girls. And obviously, mm-hmm. there's going to be senseless nudity in the film. And then a lot of people are going to die. Um <laughs> But Zombievers, it takes a drastic turn into the absurd. And when it does, it is just so much fun. And the <laughs> best part about it was, and, and they, they've they said, like, they gave us the budget for the movie. They threw money at us to make this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's, in it's one well hand, it is a joke like it is a shot at the studios that gave the money to make this movie because everyone associated with knew like this is terrible like Mm -hmm. why would anyone finance this these studios financed it so they're like well these dumbasses did it so let's do what we can (laughs) but then in the same vein everyone knew what they were making everyone knew it has a lot of like satirical moments to like monster creature features in horror mm-hmm. and horror as a genre itself. It takes a lot of fun shots and very smart shots at it. And it kind of yeah. turns a few tropes up on its head um, for the genre. And it does it all with the coup de of the most glitchy looking animatronic <laughs> beavers <laughs> that happen to be zombies. And it mm-hmm. is just so good. I <sighs> dude, Every time I watch it, and when I watch it again for this episode, because it had been a little while since I watched it, I was giddy. When it ended, mm-hmm. I was just like in the best mood. I went to bed like with the biggest smile. I mean, it was, I love, I adore this movie. I genuinely adore this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's such a fun time and well lit, well shot, well made in general. <laughs> right. It- it's just a ridiculous premise that everybody plays super straight and this, this kind of the tongue-in-cheek satire is the best part of it for sure yeah it's just oh my god oh, this movie <laughs> uh my number five is is a classic it's one of those movies that i think is famous in the b-movie pantheon and well deservedly so i think partly because the movie is crazy, but also partly because the story about the movie is kind of even crazier. So my number five is Troll 2 from 1990. And a few things you need to know about Troll 2. Number one, there's no trolls in it. At all. There's only (laughs) goblins. Number two, it's called Troll 2, but there's no first troll movie, so you don't need to worry about <laughs> not knowing what's going on. I mean, there is there is a first troll movie, but it's completely unrelated. They basically globbed on to the property in the hopes that it would help them be successful, and it wasn't. So it's the first movie, even though it's called Troll 2. Um, also, the filmmakers who made it are Italian, and... All the American actors were mostly unable to communicate with the filmmakers because of the language barrier. 
and it shows through because nobody knows what they're doing or why they're doing it. Um, but they're trying their hardest at the same time, which is important. Uh, and then my favorite part about Troll 2 is the effects, the practical effects. It's a lot of, again, that early Peter Jackson stuff with... So they, it's about this family that goes on vacation. And, uh, and they go on vacation... But the little tiny town that they go to of um, Nilbog is actually secretly inhabited by goblins disguised as humans. And their entire goal is to eat this family or turn them into uh, things that they want to eat. And so they're more or less hunted by the whole town of goblins. Lucky for this family... Their grand, the grandfather is like a goblin racist who like hates <laughs> goblins and like reads reads stories to his grandson about how terrible goblins are and all their tricks and things that they do to get you. Unlucky for this family, the grandfather's actually dead and uh, has been dead for like a little bit. But lucky for them again, he actually is able to communicate with the son and help them fight the goblins. Uh, it's just an incredible film that you need to experience <laughs> in order to enjoy. Uh, yeah, seeing these people get, uh, and all of the different people get captured by the goblins or tricked into eating things that turns them into the <sighs> goblin food and then have them like slowly trans transform into a half human, half tree thing that the goblins want to eat. Uh, it's just a thing of beauty that you need to be able to see yeah. at some point in your life. <laughs> yes. Uh, honorable mention for sure. I'm so glad. I wasn't sure if you would have it or not. Uh, Control <laughs> 2 is infamous. Like, mm -hmm. I would actually, Jake, I would actually, man, that's a tough one. Between, like, The Room, Troll 2, and Birdemic, I think it really comes. <laughs> two would edge it out just in like reputation, possibly because back when it came out, I, I mean, had I watched it as a kid, it probably would have scared the absolute shit out of me because everything scared the absolute shit out of me when I was a kid. Mm hmm. But it's probably, I mean, these days, I think it's hilarious. When I when I watched it for the first time, first time I saw it was on one of those late night uh, TNT monster features. I don't know if you ever stayed up late to mm -hmm. like watch those. Um, yeah. After I became time. a fan of the genre, Troll 2 was on one of those. Because I would do that. It was on like Friday or Saturday nights. Um they would do like this double feature monster movie thing or horror movie in general, but it was typically monsters. Uh, Troll 2 was there. I was young, but I remember thinking the whole time, like, this is hilarious. And what the hell is up with this movie? It's up there with like critters and critters too and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. guy, you kids, you have to go and find these old like 80s and 90s creature features because they're amazing 
for the most part. Oh yeah. That'll change your life. They're so good. I, you know what? I know like we still have a few more to say, but I feel like more people should probably be trying to find these movies and watching them like almost binge watch, Mm -hmm. like what you and I have done the past couple weeks with the, just prepping for this episode. These are good. I guess you could say palate cleansers or they're just good. Like, yeah. uh, Calibrators when it comes to movies, just when you're taking everything so serious, I feel like it's healthy. Mm -hmm. Watch a couple of these. Cause they'll just, they'll, Everything will equal out, and you're in a good mood when they're done. You're laughing because of how stupid and bad they are, but you find yourself just like in great moods. And I think that's what the genius behind these kinds of movies is. They're just they're good calibrators. They really are, or recalibrators. I mean, yeah, um, I think that's a good way to put it. Oh man, now I want to watch Troll Two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I know what we're gonna what I'm gonna be doing uh, after our little thing tomorrow. You kids don't know <laughs> yeah. yet, but <laughs> well, <laughs> you do. anyways. All right, my number Moving four. Uh, this is another one. I saw this. I was a little bit younger, um, and it's just a movie that always it's always stuck with me. Like, and it's actually not. It shot well. The story is actually not the worst but it's all practical mm-hmm. effect and it's just it's fun it's a ridiculous premise based on uh like modern urban legends which is fun and i gotta say i'm a little disappointed in modern like hollywood because there's so many urban mm-hmm. legends if you need some like new material holy crap why are we not getting yeah. movies based on urban legends because they're fun <laughs> Um, yeah. This one uh, is based on a New York urban legend, and this movie is just so wonderful. Uh, it's based on the legend of giant alligators living in the sewers of New York. You know, people get an okay. alligator as a baby for a pet, and then they flush it down the toilet, and then there's like a monstrous alligator. This movie does that. It's uh, it's from the eighties. <laughs> it's called Alligator. This movie is so much fun. Every decision is just weird and subplots are like there's this pharmaceutical company doing, you know, experiments on puppies and cats, like Mm -hmm. specifically puppies and cats where they're killing them and then they toss them (laughs) in the sewer and the alligator is eating them. Uh, this alligator that's been flushed down there. And since they have these hormones injected into their carcasses, this alligator has grown to be the size of like a school bus essentially, or at least the length. Um, Sure. But all practical effects, it takes a little while for the, the gator action to kind of kick in, but the movie itself is just so much fun. Robert Forster is in it. He's the lead detective in it. And they make a lot of like balding, jokes his character's going bald and he has like the worst comb over ever Mm -hmm. and they just poke shots at him throughout the movie over it there's like a weird subplot of he can't be trusted because his old partner was killed in the line of duty with him so no cop wants to work with him you can't tell what kind of detective he actually is because when you first meet him he's (laughs) adopting a dog and investigating missing animals 
<laughs> but, he's a pet detective, obviously. He's a pet detective. It's <laughs> it's just such a fun movie, and the gator itself, the effects of the gator, the giant animatronic that they built for it, is fantastic. Uh, seeing people get eaten by it is so fun. I know it sounds bad, but it's <laughs> hilarious when you see their legs like just fall off when the gators like not death roll like doing the death roll or thrashing too hard, mm-hmm. the lake just kind of like pops off all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> there's like this wild uh, or this uh, big game hunter that gets hired to hunt and kill this gator. And he's super cocky. He's a piece of shit. He's a douchebag. You don't like him, but his character is just funny to watch. Cause he's so bad. Like the acting is just <laughs> so bad. But alligator just—it's always stuck with me. And when I re—I—it had been like a little while since I've rewatched it. Oh my god, it put me right back to just that fun, like younger days of just watching this and being like, "This is just so." <laughs> it's awesome, Jake. I think you would appreciate. The, I've never heard of it. The gator itself, when you see it, no. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. Yeah, I, I've never heard of it, but it looks absolutely fantastic and so fun. I have to check this out. I love it. I love that movie so much. All right, my number four is one of one of the most serious movies on my list. Um, I have a couple, and this is one of them. Um, it's from 1972. And it's a sci-fi film called Silent Running, which sounds like it would be about uh, submarines, but it's not. It's about (laughs) a really interesting idea about the future where all of Earth has basically been, uh, I don't know, the, the, the point of the movie is that they have taken the last forests and fly and plants and plant life and nature essentially that was left on earth and they decided to keep it safe by putting it on a spaceship several spaceships and send it out into space and then that way they can keep it if they need it but all of earth has then kind of just been taken over by people and populations and they've done a lot of good things in the future where they've everybody has a job and the whole planet is basically climate controlled. It's like 75 degrees all the time, but they, uh, they, so they send all of the, the last forests on earth out into space. And, uh, Bruce Dern is the star who's actually really good in it. And, uh, he is just working on one of these ships and taking care of these, uh, taking care of the forests and actually kind of loving it really, kind of believes in what the purpose of nature is and wanting yeah. to preserve it, which is good. Um, kind of a tree huggery guy, but that's okay. And, uh, but then they get the call that they can come home, which is good news. But then they also are told you should just jettison the forests into space or blow them up, um, destroy them and come back to earth. Uh, we decide we don't need to keep this project going or whatever. And so to avoid doing that, Bruce Dern murders the rest of his crew and resists and keeps the forest alive on his, on his ship. And so it becomes 
it becomes basically him alone on the ship with these robots, um, drones that he's working with. And it's just, it's really, really interesting and cool. Uh, it's it's uh, the first of only two movies directed by Douglas Trumbull. And he was actually the special photographic effects uh, supervisor on 2001, Blade Runner, Close Encounters, and Star Trek The Motion Picture. So he's he knows sci-fi. He knows crap. what he's doing. And yeah. uh, it's, it's just an interesting sci-fi story about the importance of nature and protecting forests and stuff. But the main reason that I like it, I think, is that it also shows a very interesting balance, which is that nature alone isn't enough. Uh, there's also an important need for other people and you can't just be alone mm -hmm. on the ship forever, um, which is really interesting. And so it's, it's, it's a good, really cool movie, especially if you like yeah. 70s, 70s sci-fi before Star Wars and all that stuff. Uh, it's really, really cool. It looked interesting. The effects looked fun. Those robots looked hilarious, dude. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Fun fact about the robots: uh, I I believe that so they're completely practical. And I was looking at it. I was like, how do you even fit midgets in there, dwarves or whatever? And apparently, they were actually double amputees that were used. Okay. And and they puppeteered the robots, which is really interesting and really cool. Nice, but it's really cool. Yeah, I like that pick. I'm curious about that movie. I'm seeing Bruce Dern in that. Have you noticed a few of our picks have like huge <laughs> names, like very like mm -hmm. high regard, like highly regarded actors and actresses? Like big people are in some of these movies that they know what they're doing sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. My number three, honestly, like my, my top three, everyone who knows me has heard me talk about these three movies <laughs> so many times. And I have no apology for that. I will always talk about these movies because they are awesome. They're just so awesome. Mm -hmm. But my number three, there was no way we were going to do a top 10 B movie list and I was not going to have this on my list. This is like the OG. This is the one that just it's so famous. I mean, this one set the bar for B movies. It is, I think to this day still regarded as potentially the worst movie ever made. I know it officially hit that status in 1980. Um, mm -hmm. and I think it's held on pretty tight actually. But Plan 9 from Outer Space by Ed Wood from 1957. Mm -hmm. God damn it. This movie <laughs> is just... Holy crap. It's so fun. Like, it makes no sense. You get your final Bella Lugosi performance ever be before he <laughs> passed away. He plays mm -hmm. an old man who has zero dialogue. He just, like walks into rooms and then leaves he does his dracula pose a handful of times um but it is just i found out about this movie when i saw the movie ed wood with johnny depp directed by tim burton uh, which is about the making of plan nine from outer space it's a good movie it's a really good movie actually johnny depp is awesome as ed wood 
And it did make me curious to see the actual movie a lot like, well, I mean, I seen the room before I saw disaster, disaster Artist, Artist. but same kind of principle, right? A movie based on the making of a famously terrible film. Mm-hmm. Um, but plan nine from outer space, as bad as it is, it has some shockingly like <laughs> accurate kind of predictions from 1957 as to where we are right now. And mm. I did not realize that until I rewatched it for this episode. <laughs> it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like what? There is a whole. So the movie kicks off with this dude talking straight to you, the audience there. He's breaking the fourth wall. He's going to narrate the story about this incident where aliens uh, are trying to prove their existence to Americans um, because Americans keep denying that they're there. And so the aliens are sick of it and they resort to (laughs) bringing the dead back to life to shock Americans into, uh, kind of coming to reality. Mm-hmm. But then there's this whole warning kind of like prediction, prophecy, whatever you want to call it, uh, of the dangers of our dependency on technology mm-hmm. and, and like deniability on very real things. Like it was, it took me off guard because <laughs> I've always watched it with just like, a hilarious like cut this movie so bad i love it and then i rewatched it yeah. and was like wait a minute he just described like the last three years what the hell is happening <laughs> in this movie like yeah. it was ed wood down to the point actually that a genius they down to the point that they actually like came out and said hey aliens are real like the government says aliens are real <laughs> And literally nobody cares. It's like, sorry, I can't be bothered. I'm too busy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, I mean, besides that aspect, which took me off guard this time around, but the movie is just, I think you and I, I I know you and I have spoken, especially on our uh, Peter Jackson episode where we talked about his filmography minus Lord of the Rings. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and some other low-budget films like Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead and stuff, of just that respect that we have for those people that had this idea for a movie and they just made it. Like, that creativity, mm-hmm. just going out and doing it. You know it's not going to be amazing, but you just... You can tell when there's so much love to a project. And Plan 9 is one of those to me where Edward was so determined to just make a movie with some of his friends and he was good friends with Bella Lugosi and he just wanted to give him one last like hoorah essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. And he just wanted to make a movie. He just wanted to make this movie. I respect that. And the movie's fun. Yeah, the editing is just the worst. The sound design, even from 1957 (laughs) is like some of the dialogue isn't even from the actors on screen. It is so blatantly obvious that they've recorded new dialogue in a, you know, <laughs> some other time and then did not actually sync it with the mouse. So mm-hmm. it's off by like not even a full syllable, but just enough where you notice it. <laughs> it's when you see the flying saucers, there's a couple shots where you can see the strings and they do this across the screen. It's wonderful. 
I get so happy about this. There's a whole fist fight with aliens at one point. It's, oh, dude, Plan 9 <laughs> from Outer Space. It's, I genuinely almost put this at number one just because of how much I love this. Like, just because it deserves mm -hmm. it. But my, my top two edged it, it just a little bit. It's so incredibly famous that it probably would not be surprising if it was number one. Right. And it, it is famous. And I just, I can't love this movie enough. I love talking about it. I, anytime someone okay. asks me, like, what's the worst movie? I'm like, well, technically the worst movie is Plan 9 from Outer Space, but that movie is glorious. And then I usually give them <laughs> a bunch of tidbits that they're like, we didn't ask for As that. As they slowly <laughs> try to back away from it. Right, right. And I'm like, but... Guys, when Vampira shows up as the dead wife, she's the first undead you see. It's hilarious. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it's so good. I... It's one of those movies I've always meant to get around to watch and I never have. Um, I haven't seen Ed Wood either, although I know a fair amount about him and his life and all the bad movies he made. Um, I mostly know about it because from Seinfeld episodes. Yeah. And Seinfeld talks about Plan 9 from Outer Space and how this isn't Plan 1 through 8. This is Plan 9. This is the one that worked. It's It sounds yes. like it would be an incredible time, and I can't believe I haven't seen it before. It's just like it's slow as hell the first time you watch it, and you're like, what is this movie? But when you watch it and you understand, like it was 1957, so movies in the 50s had mm. a very different pace than movies now or even movies 20 years ago um which in mm. my mind still thinks that it's like the 90s but that's the 2000 80s. so like 30 years ago yeah. um <laughs> but to me like the pacing is exactly what it needs to be it's you know it's black and white it's classic it's just Yeah, I'm going to check it out. Uh, my number three, I think you will like if you've never seen it before. Um, and so I, I think it's a really interesting and really entertaining film. It's called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And it's from 2006. It is... I don't even know how to describe this movie. It's about... Uh, it's kind of like a cabin in the woods where there's a similar theme, but a different take on the horror movies that you've seen before. So it takes place okay. in a universe where all of the slasher horror villains are real. Michael Myers is a real person. Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, all of them are actual serial killers in the world. And so this movie is about a documentary, like a college documentary film crew who follows this other guy, Leslie Vernon, around who's kind of an up-and-coming killer who aspires to the level of Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. And so he kind of lets them into his world and describes like how he chooses his victims, the relationship with the final girls and all of that stuff, how he needs, uh, needs certain things to happen for it to actually follow the, the follow the 
script or protocol that normally should happen with these kinds of um, killings or relationships. It's just mm -hmm. a really solid and clever writing that that they kind of describe it and and uh, and the technical details don't hold it back at all. It's it's shot well enough, done well enough. Performances are rather good as well. Um, and so if you like horror movies, I think it's definitely one to check out because it does a good job of kind of adding to the lore or or okay. history of, of those while also kind of taking it its own direction and and um, and trying new things. I think it's really interesting. I have seen this cover so many times and I never watched the movie. <laughs> but hearing you describe it I and do watching the trailer for it, I'm like, how have I never mm -hmm. watched this? I feel I do like think I, you would find it entertaining. I kind of feel like I've done myself a disservice mm -hmm. and I need to correct that. I think I know what I'm going to watch at some point this week. You should. Oh, you should. And you should let me know what you think because it's pretty clever. It just, yeah, it looks fun. It looks clever. It sounds right up my alley. Mm -hmm. How have I never watched this? <laughs> Excuse me. This is crazy. How have I never watched yeah, this? If you this like Cabin in the Woods or anything like that. Um, yeah. I think you, or the Final, Final Girls, the movie Final Girls. Oh, that movie's like fantastic that, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to check that one out behind the mask. All right. My number two. Now, I debated, Jake, because <laughs> I really, really love Bad Taste. Ever since you and I watched yeah. that, that movie is just like, it has stuck with me. And when I tell people yeah. about it, like my family was here visiting and obviously they see the poster and I was telling them about the movie and just like the joy of like, dude, Peter Jackson, like unknown young Peter Jackson just wanted to make this movie about aliens on earth who are eating humans like, like hamburger meat. Like that's what they do. And it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. And that's the design of them. And my mom was just shaking her head. My dad's laughing, but even my mom was laughing about it. Cause it's just like, they understood mm -hmm. what was meant. And I was like, I genuinely love bad taste. So good. So good. And I debated, would that end up on my list? Because I really have grown to just, it's mm -hmm. so much fun. Yeah, I debated it hard as well. But when it comes to Peter Jackson, man, I gotta say, dude, I still to this day, whether you call it brain dead <laughs> or you call it dead alive, that I think that is not only my number two pick, it might be my favorite <laughs> Peter Jackson movie in general. It is. Oh, really? Dead Alive is like, I, I mean, Lord of the Rings always feels so like its own thing. It never feels like. Yeah. How did that guy it, make those movies? Yeah. But Dead Alive, there is just something about it. it has nods to like what made Peter Jackson want to be a filmmaker in general, which is Skull Island, you mm. know, King Kong. That's where they get the Sumatran mm -hmm. rat monkey from. But his love for horror and all the practical effects that are in Dead Alive. I mean, this movie is just, oh my God. 
I think I fall more in love with this movie every time <laughs> I watch it. And I learn from it from my the same cousin that introduced mm-hmm. me to Evil Dead and introduced me to like metal music and all this. He introduced me to Dead Alive. And all he kept telling me was like, it's the bloodiest movie ever made at that point. Uh, and then he kept just mm-hmm. laughing and being like, just the rat monkeys and zombies. Just trust me. That's all he ever told me. And I remember sitting down watching it for the first time and being like, well, I feel like it's not the bloodiest movie I've ever seen, but really it's pretty fucking bloody. It is a gory (laughs) movie. It is just a gross 80s gore. Oh my God, dude. Which is a next level kind of gore. Yeah. I mean, the the whole gag, I think what makes this movie just so special when you understand like this is just going to keep getting grosser, like more gross and just mm-hmm. more just, ugh, but hilarious is the scene with Lionel, his mom and the, the other couple for the, Oh my God. I always forget the woman's thing. And his mom's like literally falling mm-hmm. apart. She eats her own ear in the, <laughs> in the custard. She spurts blood into the dude's custard and he like they do a close-up of him scooping up the blood and eating it obnoxiously it's so gross it's glorious there is not one part of dead alive that is not perfect exactly how it should be how it should always be remembered i the lawnmower scene you have the most irritating zombie baby which makes no sense you have a priest who is like some kind of martial arts master who also becomes a zombie spoiler alert has you have the freakiest zombie sex scene. You've got a nurse. That's a zombie whose yeah. head has fallen off and gets fed through her throat. I mean, there is not one decision in this movie that is not hilarious <laughs> and gross at the same time. Dead alive is mm-hmm. like damn near perfect to me. It is just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. It's the pinnacle of that, that, style or that i don't know even know what that is but it's very specifically peter jackson which is great yeah i just i'm obsessed with that one too i just i can't get over that alive it's perfect it's so perfect i i know how much you love it and i knew it would be on your list (laughs) i'm not surprised at all yeah uh so my number two then is the classic that i at this, at the same time, I worry that they're going to remake it because I know that they're trying to remake it, and I worry it will be worse. At the same time, it's already terrible, and so it might be better if they remake it. So I'm <laughs> conflicted about it. So my number two is Masters of the Universe from 1987. Oh yeah, the are they remaking it though? That I think Netflix is trying to. It's part of the whole Mattel cinematic universe we talked about last week. The potential Mattel, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) It is. It is the old original '80s version is so specific, partly because nobody making it knew what He Man was or Mm -hmm. cared what He Man was, (laughs) and so they made this movie that made no sense, but they also tried really hard because they're professional actors and Dolph Lundgren is in it. And Frank Langella, Langella, Langella is in it. And 
Courtney Cox is in it, of all people. <laughs> and it's very just, I mean, the the one thing that is the silliest to me is Frank Langella's uh, Skeletor mask that he looks, I'm used to the perfect, flawless, uh, 80s cartoon version of Skeletor. Yep. And so he looks very, I don't know, weird and silly. But I would say Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, uh, he is just, he's shredded, he's jacked, he's tall, he's walking around in a, you know, bikini briefs and and shoulder pads <laughs> and he's got a sword the the it this does everything that you want a, like an 80s mm, sci-fi fantasy movie to do which is combine swords shirtless men and laser guns it has <laughs> a lot of all of those things and so it's just if you liked he-man or even if you didn't like he-man and you want to start liking he-man i recommend masters of the universe because it's just so crazy and it's just perfect 80s fantasy style all of the very mm -hmm. specific costuming and sets and matte paintings it's beautiful to look at but also weird to look at like when Dolph Lundgren is like riding the saucer like flying through the sky <laughs> the effects are pretty bad well I'm not gonna lie about that so be prepared but in the rest of the movie and the, and the laser guns and the fighting and everything I wouldn't say it's the perfect Masters of the Universe movie but it's the only one we have that's live action so far so right now it's my true. favorite Masters of the Universe that is movie true. and you know him riding that saucer, it still looks better than Channing Tatum roller skating in the air. And uh, <laughs> that's Jupiter ascending, rising or ascending. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very you know, true. <clears throat> I feel like I've only ever seen clips or like bits and pieces of that original Masters of the Universe. I need to uh -huh. rewatch it just because you should. I need to. I'm going to. It's great. They oh. they're they're in Eternia, and Eternia is like beautiful and fantasy and everything. Yeah. And then they get they have to go to the real world, and they kind of get sucked through a portal, and that's where they meet Courtney Cox and her boyfriend or whatever, and they have to like get their help to save this, find this key, and keep Skeletor from getting it, all this stuff. And so when Skeletor like has his ship, just like going down the street at night, like downtown of like you know anywhere US, usa it's just i don't know it looks cool to me and maybe I'm weird, <laughs> but i think cool. it's an awesome movie Gosh. it looks cool i have no judgment towards any of your picks i've loved every <laughs> one of them good all right my number one man this was a coin toss for me not because I thought there was like a better one, uh, but because it was technically already on a list that we did three years ago, um, but I felt that okay. was three years it's ago, time. it's my list. It's, it's our show. I, we make the rules. I do what I want. And you and I have talked about sometimes <laughs> movies are going to swap. They're going to change. My number one should be zero surprise. 
period. I've <laughs> spoiled the shit yeah. out of my number one from the start of this episode. Um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is, I mean, Jake, you know, I, yeah. this movie almost should have been on my top 10 overall, but obviously <laughs> top 10 overall is just a whole different thing. But Killer Clowns, I can never pinpoint why this movie just hits every perfect note for me why it just does everything so well to me i just i have become more and more obsessed with this movie the older i get the more times i watch it it is just i have the absolute most fun watching this mm -hmm. movie and i can never pinpoint what it is it just it's like some weird like it's just a part of me i I can't imagine mm -hmm. being a movie fan. My, you know, me being the movie fan I am and not loving this movie. This movie feels just as connected to me and important to me as like Indiana Jones or Mission Impossible or, or like it. It's that kind of. And I know it's weird because it's a movie about alien clowns <laughs> that use stuff like cotton candy and popcorn and shadow puppets to eat people. But this movie is wonderful. I it's so good. <laughs> I, just, I, I I had to put it at number one. I was just like, do I though? Because it was on a list. And I was like, it was like if I remember right, I had it kind of midway on our uh, guilty pleasures episode. I think it was like number four or five. Mm -hmm. Um. And I was like, it deserves, I have always felt that it deserved better than that, but there was no way it was going to, on a guilty pleasures list, there was no way Jackass was getting like bumped down. But sure. Killer Clowns, it, it just deserves so much more praise for me than being midway point on a top 10 list. It deserved a number one spot. So I, oh, dude, I fucking love Killer Clowns. It's just so... <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do, and I'm glad it finally got its its what it deserves, the glory of a number one spot on one the, of our lists. The clown costumes are like dirty and gross looking, but all promos for it is like happy looking cartoony versions. So then when you see the real <laughs> clowns, they're like they just they look dirty. They look like they've just yeah. kind of been like walking around in a dirty town, which they do. But the way they go mm -hmm. through the town and like take people is hilarious to me. I'm not like the shadow puppets on the wall when it eats people might be my favorite part, like way that they kill people. <laughs> that sounds demented. I don't care. It's hilarious. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> the giant, the fucking the mega clown at the end is fantastic. You got ice cream trucks. You got, oh, dude, I feel <laughs> like killer clowns is that kind of movie that I should have a life goal of forcing as many people as I can to just sit and watch this movie. And I would be that creeper staring at them the whole movie. Like, you will love this movie. You will yeah. laugh when you You're see the cotton candy you? cocoons. Oh. <laughs> I can't get enough of killer clowns. It's just 
It's the best. <laughs> yeah, your love for it feels very unnatural and disconcerting, but I know. That's okay. I'm okay with that. It's just okay. it's such a fun movie. Like again, yeah. you can tell everyone a part of it knew what they were making and they thought it was hilarious. And I love I think what really ends up just putting it so high up for me is the guy that like the director was told by so many heads, the studio that even financed it told him like this movie is just everyone's going to hate your movie. No one's ever going to watch it. And he flat out Mm -hmm. said someday it will make people laugh. People will be a fan of it. And now here we are, you know, 30 plus years from when it came out. And it's like this huge cult classic people. I am not the only one that like feels this way about this movie. (laughs) The dude was right. He called it and he called it out of spite, which is just fun to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, what a great motivator. Even better. (laughs) Yeah. Just like (laughs) what a fantastic fuck you to those people being like, it's not good. You're not good enough. This is your failure and being like, just wait. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And I love that you love it. Good for you. Uh, I have not seen it, so I can't actually. I, I, know. I know that you, I said probably in that other episode, hey, I should really watch that. And I never did. So I'll get around to it. I promise. It's okay. It's okay. Because I feel like <laughs> my obsession with it is. It probably makes up for a few people, but you should watch it, Jake, because it's hilarious. It's so funny. I'm sure I'll like it. I'm sure I'll like it. I've liked all of the things I've seen about it, so I'm sure I'll like it. Yeah. Uh, okay, my number one then is right. a little less... Uh, it's, it's, it is personal in the sense that I feel like I love this movie and I do think it's the best uh, B-movie I've ever seen. But also I think it's bigger than that in the sense that it's, it's probably the best... B movie the world has ever experienced or anybody else has ever seen either. I think it's the most impactful in society, impactful in filmmaking, and uh, just in culture in general. And so my number one is Night of the Living Dead from 1968. The original George Romero, Night of the Living Dead, black and white. It's just... I love how small it is and how simple it is but also how well executed it is for this for george romero to direct and co-write and shoot and edit it is one thing but then it's it's holds up so well because it's so well shot so well paced so well lit and all this stuff and all of the story as one of the first probably the first modern zombie movie that we've ever had it really sets the example of what is effective for audiences what these creatures are and should be going forward and everybody then from then on kind of points to that and go oh yeah that was the example that we should oh yeah strive for it's still regarded as the standard every zombie that's come out Mm -hmm. after night of the living dead is constantly compared ex- like immediately to it's caused the big zombie debate of do you have zombies that run or should they walk slow and mindlessly and nine at or I'll be a little more lenient I would say like seven and a half to eight <laughs> out of ten you know t- 
times people are going to tell you they need to walk slow. That's a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that the way that uh, George Romero set it up and the way that the movie shows the whole process is brilliant. And the way that the story is small and simple and just follows this couple in a cemetery and they kind of get chased into this farmhouse. They don't really know what's going on. Most of the movie mm -hmm. takes place inside this farmhouse with just random people that also got scared into this building and don't really know each other, don't really know what's going on. And then you as the audience are kind of learning with them by hearing the radio in the background and hearing the TV on and stuff. All of those little tidbits of story are kind of sprinkled throughout as you watch them board up the windows and, and kind of hunker down in this house. It's just, it's so well done. The effects are awesome. It's pretty, I imagine in 1968, it was pretty like effective and gory with seeing oh, these yeah. zombies rip, ripping flesh off the bones. And it's obviously like meat or chicken or something like that. But it's like, it's just so well done that you definitely like see all of the, the, the effects is so it's very effective and very visceral and I just love everything about it. Uh, and so you get the like gross out factor of them eating the human flesh and stuff. And it's really, really cool. It is super good. Um, I had that one on my uh, top 10 black and white films. I'm kind of mm -hmm. shocked you have it on a B movie list because I feel like and I this would probably boil down to just perspective um, mm -hmm. I have never viewed that movie as a B movie I think I've always viewed Night of the Living Dead as just on... like go ahead uh, oh I was going to say I put it on because I I believe it is accurately a B movie just based on the low budget nature of it yeah. and and all of that not not a B movie in the sense that it's it's a a bad movie or a crazy movie or anything like that it's a very well done movie right. but it's i think a success story for the B movie model the original B movie model which was make a low budget movie People are trying to genuinely make them good, but often they weren't. And this is one that actually was really, really good. And from that seed of an idea and a tiny little budget spawned huge franchises, inspired oh, okay. the entire yeah, culture, definitely. basically informed the world what zombies are. Um, and so... It, yeah, you don't think of it as a B movie, but I think mm -hmm. in its inception at the beginning, it definitely was. I totally see your point on that. Yeah, that's such a good pick. Such a good pick. I love that our top ones were like the these movies that have become not only like kind of very personal to us, but just they have set bars. And they have set like standards mm -hmm. for this is what the expectation. If you're going to make this kind of movie, this is where you need to try Like, yeah, learn from these films. Uh, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I like that we both picked like 
gross kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, watching the zombies in Night of the Living Dead eat human flesh. Yeah, you can tell that it's like not human flesh, obviously. But it is still mm-hmm. very effective. When we when I rewatched it for our black and white episode, I remember just being like, man, I forgot just how like <laughs> actually gross this is. And if it's kind of yeah. gross to me now, after all the different kinds of gore that we've gotten in that genre, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is this still stands up. Like this is almost like the Jurassic Park yeah. of of zombie films or of special effects where it's like (laughs) this old film that should be outclassed by like on paper, it should be completely outclassed, but it outdoes. It's more effective. It looks better than like everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite things about the best B movies. And also, I mean, about night living dead as well, but, the it's a principle of life and i guess of religion of as well that if you if you do a good job with a little bit if you're like faithful with a small amount of money or whatever then you'll be able to be successful when you get a lot of stuff and yeah and i think that's a, a if you can i think that's the key is that if a filmmaker is can identify what is effective and what connects with audiences on a tiny budget, then if they, if they can do that, then they're going to make great movies later on. If you can't figure out what connects with an audience on a tiny budget, then throwing a bunch of money at them is not going to help. And giving them all the blue screen in the world is not going to help them make a great movie. (laughs) It's true. It's true. And there's the notch for us taking another shot at the uh, (laughs) heavy CGI uh, cop-out that movies are doing Yeah, so much of these days. Um, It's ridiculous. You know, you and I both brought it up. Almost every pick, um, at least more on the side of like the the horror and sci-fi picks, practical effects. The practical effects Mm -hmm. in these movies are just so... They are the cherry on top. They are what just push these movies into such a better area of entertainment and enjoyment. I I would be devastated if these movies mm-hmm. started getting remade and the practicality of it was replaced with a CGI version because someone misses the point or decides to ignore the fun of it. There's something enjoyable mm-hmm. and entertaining and fun of seeing like the rubber costumes jiggle when they're moving around or the awkward mm-hmm. running that you'll see these guys do. Like it's fun. That adds to the element of the film. And I think that's a big piece to these B movies, not just the top 10 that you and I have, but in general the whole thing is mm-hmm. that we like seeing that practical suit. We even if it's bad and clunky and weird it looks a thousand mm-hmm. times better than what we get with CGI. I mean, I'll take a shot here. It's not a B movie by any means. I, I love it. But like that original Ninja Turtles movie, the costumes for yeah. that original Turtles movie, it's practical. They're big mm-hmm. rubber suits. You can tell like they can't bend their fingers. They can't do a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff. <laughs> 
but they look better. They move better than the like the giant Michael Bay produced live action one, that first one that came out. Yeah. And although I've become like that one's grown on me over the years, I will still always revert back to that old suit as being like, no, that's the yeah. turtles. This is okay, yeah. but that's the turtles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about that because even, I mean, the movies are geared towards kids, obviously, and you don't have a super high standard when we saw them when we were kids. But the point I right. think is that you can, you can get the characters, you can get the story better. They're more expressive. They're more real. People are touching them and they're believable when they're, when they're actually there and they're a physical practical effect. Right. Even if they don't look exactly like a turtle, even if they look like a person in a suit, you, you are watching a movie. You're going to suspend your disbelief to some degree anyway. Mm -hmm. It's better to actually have that practicalness and act and that, that people can connect to as opposed to you don't need to try your hardest to be the most realistic or most, most right. photo accurate or whatever um, <laughs> digital effect. It can, it can look a little off, but also connect even better emotionally mm -hmm. and, and from a story perspective as well. Yeah. And, and to bring it back to like your, your pick of night of the living dead. I mean, if they try to remake that, but make the guts and stuff, more CGI heavy because mm -hmm. they can and probably would. I think you would just totally take away the effectiveness and enjoyment of it. It's just these B movies are so fantastic. Oh, I love doing this episode, dude. Loved it. <laughs> loved prepping for this one. This I know. So I loved prepping. There's so many I watched that um, I didn't get to list. There's also so many that I've always heard of that I really want to watch. And so I feel like I'm just going to keep watching B movies in the next couple <laughs> Right. Weeks like, I'm not so done fun. watching these kinds of movies. There were, like you, there were a couple I didn't get around to. Not They're honorable mentions. Um, but I will be watching them again because they're just so bad, but they're so good because they're bad. Um, and speaking of that, what honorable mm -hmm. mentions would you say you have, bud? Uh, I picked all of the uh, honorable mentions that I would have had on my list, except that we've talked about them quite a bit on the show before. Um, so Highlander, number one with a bullet, was my number one guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> I would have definitely had Highlander on my list, but I felt, leave it off, leave room for something that we haven't talked about before. Yeah. Same with Bad Taste. We talked about that already. Um, they Live, we did a whole episode on They Live, but I freaking love that movie. Dude, they Live is so good. And then, not really... I mean, it is kind of a B movie. It's one of the lowest budget movies of all time, and also one of my favorites, um, one of my all time favorites, Primer, which is a great sci fi and time travel movie. Yeah. I feel and like that, you would have I done that movie disservice if you put it as a, a B movie, though, because the way you talk about that movie yeah. puts it up on such a higher standard of, <laughs> of movies. Yeah, I think that it technically qualifies, but also mentally you know, doesn't come close because it is <laughs> right. it's too too smart to be on the list <laughs> and then um 
Tremors I had high on my monster list, but I love yeah. all of the Tremors movies. Oh, Tremors so and then uh, you kind of mentioned Evil Dead. I personally prefer Army of Darkness out of all of the movies. It's just so silly, so ridiculous. Sending sending Ash back in time to fight uh, <laughs> skeletons and deadites. It's just an incredible idea, and it just makes it even better. So Army of Darkness yeah. is my last one. Army of Darkness. I mean, those, the original Evil Dead trilogy, so the first one, the second, you know, they're great. Because the second one is like a spoof on the first one with the same cast, same crew, everyone. They're just kind of spoofing their own movie and then adding onto it with Army of Darkness. I mean, I laugh every time I think of the line, say hello to my boomstick. It's just hilarious mm -hmm. especially when you see the scene of him <laughs> holding him up like it's amazing mm -hmm. those are great great picks jake uh well besides the ones that i mentioned you had on your list that are actually honorable mentions on mine um i would say my honorable mentions would come down to like howard the duck which is such an <laughs> awkward movie but it's so funny it's so bad <laughs> Um, uh -huh. I did not want to put Tremors on my list because it was on my monsters list, and because although technically a B movie, I just it's so much fun. Tremors is classic, but I'm with you on that one. It yeah. technically is. Um, and then I had, I had to bring it up because I I used to be really obsessed with it, but when I rewatched it, I haven't watched it for a long time. Um. But I rewatched Sharknado because I, I love Sharknado, mm. that first one. And I was like, it still deserves mm. the honorable mention because it's so stupid. And the stock footage used in it is so hilarious how they have like shark footage from, you know, Shark Week. But the sharks are supposed to be swimming down mm. the highway in Los Angeles. It just it's hilarious to me, but it still deserves <laughs> an honorable mention because that first one is fantastically terrible. Um, and then I had to, like, I got to bring up Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the sequel, you know, from the 90s. <laughs> Kids, if you haven't watched Annihilation, oh, man, yeah. you should. Because, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough it's a one to get time. through, but it's it's hilariously terrible. It's like a soap opera, but Mortal Kombat style with some of the worst <laughs> CGI ever. Uh, and then uh, there's this movie that's also kind of unknown, but it's hilarious. It's called uh, Trailer Park of Terror. Okay. It's just, it's from like 2008, I want to say. That one's pretty fun. It, it's so stupid. You get to see a bunch of... Uh, they kill a bunch of high schoolers, and it's funny to watch them <laughs> die. <laughs> Trace Atkins is in it. Yeah, yeah. Trailer Park of Terror. It's funny. Uh, yeah, so those are just a few honorable mentions. I've got, like, millions more, but we'll we'll save it. We'll try and condense it down. Um <laughs> God damn, dude. I said, like, hey, we won't hit the two and a half, three hour mark. Here we are at it. Uh, 
Yeah. But like legit, these yep. movies. It, it I said it earlier. I'm, I'm gonna say it again. Like these are such great palate cleansers. This watching all of these this week really kind of took me back to like why I love Step Brothers so much. And Step Brothers isn't a B movie to me, but the reason mm-hmm. I love that movie so much is because that was my big palate cleanser when I got super pretentious about movies a long time ago and i'm just like watching these really brought me back to that mentality not that i was getting pretentious about films again but it just kind of like it gave me that silliness back it gave me that just like these are just so much fun Mm. and the people making them knew what they were doing they had fun doing it it's all out of just love for these genres and they wanted to make something so they did and i so yeah. much respect for these guys so much yeah completely agree i think it's just it's such an important part of movie making is kind of this underbelly which can be gross at times but also you find gems in it a lot and it's yeah. it reminds you of just how fun it is to watch movies yeah they're just they're so joyful so Dude, those are great. I think I loved all 10 of yours. God, I'm so happy you had like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That was <laughs> what an awesome kids go watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It's fantastic. The cover gives them like teeth and you think you're going to see a monstrous tomato. Nope. It's a garden tomato rolling yeah. across the screen. Uh, <laughs> ordinary tomato. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Oh man! All right. Well, so next week—that's B movies. Yeah. Yep. Next time we're watching uh, kind kind of a B movie, kind of not. It's uh, a Ryan Johnson film before he made the big budget Looper and Knives Out and all of those. He made and a little Jake's movie with Joseph favorite Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Um, no, we're not going to talk about that at all. So we don't distract people from the film. Uh, we're just going to talk about the 2005 film Brick, which is all yep. about uh, a high school student who finds an underworld of crime and a crime ring and investigates his disappeared girlfriend. And uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about that movie. Uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we gave you the palate cleanser of the silliness with with the B movies in between the very mm-hmm. serious discussions, kind of very deep. And like you said, depressing, <laughs> sorry about that guys. Uh, discussions with Blade <laughs> Runner. Uh, we gave you your palate cleanser and now we're going to dive into uh into brick, which is not the funniest of movies, but it was like a Joseph Gordon Levitt kind of like resurge. It was really the start of his Oh yeah. shit! Gordon Levitt is back, uh, and now he's gone again. Back from his, would... back from the third rock from the Sundays. Yes, he needs to come back, dude. He hasn't done like a film for a while. I'm kind of, I'm kind of missing seeing him in stuff. But yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, Brick should be an interesting yeah. one. That's yeah, been an so interesting movie out... for me. Yeah, it's, I think it's an interesting one for sure. It's a different movie that I think a lot of people haven't seen. Yeah. So check out Brick. It's a fun kind of kind of a film noir, but about high schoolers uh, and a mystery involving the crime ring 
in high school. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So thank you everyone for uh, listening. Make sure you please, please go subscribe and stuff that helps us out, helps build up the show. Mm-hmm. Um, to you new people following us now. Welcome. We are a real show. Uh, <laughs> hopefully you've listened. <laughs> <laughs> well, real. I don't know about that, but we are a show of some kind. Oh, we're a real show. We're a real show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Damn it, Jake. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, go get some cool swag. Uh, I love our stuff. And uh, stay tuned because we got some fun stuff coming your way. So thank you, everyone. Yeah. Find us on Facebook and Instagram just so that you know when we have our guest spots out we have a couple coming up yeah and uh so we'll let you know when and where to find those so that you can find them obviously thank you everyone thank you see you next time bye